0: Okay. Yeah. Okay. Right. You guys. You guys,
1: I'm worried. Bye, Jason. For J of the Dead. He must have really messed you over.
2: The scariest thing, other than Owen Wilson in peril. Yeah, f- you,
0: Jason. Is horror comedy. <laughs> he the right man for the job? This calls for divine intervention. Horror, comedy, the Ooh. oxymoronic subgenre.
3: Watch your tongue, boy, if you like this job.
0: What will happen when he doesn't do his homework? <laughs> damn it, I'm gonna kick his... I'm gonna help you. Is it fair to punish him? Fairness
1: would be to rip your insides out, hang you from a tree so we can <laughs> expose you for the heartless,
0: desensitizing you are. This... He think I'm a fart. <laughs> Jay of the Dead. Are you guys kidding me with this? Would with face his fears.
3: Probably.
0: <laughs> May, maybe. <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll see.
3: That's
0: what's going on, folks. It's screwing the pooch. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Hi. And welcome to Horror Movie Podcast, where we're dead serious about horror movies. We have a bi-weekly show that's released every other Friday, and this is episode 87, our horror comedy episode. And before I go anywhere, I gotta give some mad props. That was phenomenal. Who was that, Josh? Who sent that surprise in?
2: That's from listener Kagan in Salt Lake City.
0: (laughs) Oh man, that's exceptional. Kagan, let's go to a movie sometime, brother. Yeah, just only
2: appropriate that we start out the horror comedy episode by laughing to ourselves. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah.
0: Well, I was just gonna say the most impressive thing about that, as it was playing. That was the first time I heard it right there live on the show. And as I was listening, it was hilarious. Okay, but at the same time, there was something creepy about it to me. I mean, his voice is pretty impressive, but but also like it was creepy. And then I realized, hey, this little intro clip is working exactly as a horror comedy should it's both scary and funny and so that was a masterpiece that's a 10 out of 10 what he just did i'm extremely impressed so thank you i can't believe that i'm blown away well done (laughs) so on a horror movie podcast if this is your first time listening you hear in-depth horror movie reviews, especially for new releases, with ratings and recommendations to help you decide whether you should buy, rent, or avoid these movies. And I am your host, the aforementioned Jay of the Dead, podcasting from Salt Lake City. And my co-hosts tonight are... Dave, Dr.
1: Shock Becker from outside Philadelphia, PA.
0: And Wolfman, Josh. Yeah, I thought
2: Kagan's clip was hilarious. And just for people didn't recognize the video clips that he used... Uh, there were clips from the films Tremors, Friday the 13th Part 6, Brain Dead, Return of the Living Dead, and Scream, which are his choices for the best horror comedies.
1: Nice. That was, yeah, that was excellent. That was, was really a good job.
2: That
0: was a uh, great
1: way to start the show off.
0: Genuinely one of the best things I've heard and I mean, in a long time. I'm so impressed. I mm-hmm. really am. Um, and spe- right. speaking of great jobs, I just got to, I also have to stop right here and just congratulate my co-host here uh, Wolfman Josh and <laughs> Dr. Shock, you guys were amazing in episode 86, your H.P. Lovecraft episode, H.P. Lovecraft 101. That, I had a blast listening to that as a horror movie podcast listener, um, and I learned a ton because that's, I don't know a whole lot about Lovecraft. I'll just confess right now, so um, I loved it, and I loved the guest, Carl Cederholm. I mean, it was amazing. So well done guys, thank yeah. you. Oh, he's thank a
2: you. he's a great guest I think. So hopefully I was hoping you'd like him cuz I want to have him back for the heavy metal horror and uh, he loves podcasting and he's willing to make a lot of time to do it if we like him, so.
0: Yeah, well, he's excellent. He's my favorite kind of podcaster because he was really humble for one thing and knowledgeable and well spoken and insightful. I mean, he was like he was like all the things that you'd want. And a, and a podcast guest, so I was very impressed, and he is always welcome, so anyway, I love that guy. Um, another right. thank you, I mean, I just feel, my, my heart is full tonight, even though we're talking about horror comedies, guys, I, I got lots of love right here for everybody, and and one thing, I, I got another surprise, I'm a little bit beside myself, I don't... It's like I'm going to die soon or something because, like, so many nice things are happening. And so, if I end up like dying in the next couple of weeks, that's going to be really creepy to have this episode out there. But anyway, <laughs> I went into work after a three day weekend. I had to go in super early. It was like big drag. I went in on a Monday, and on my desk at my workplace was a VHS of Phantasm. <laughs> And and it made my I mean it was it was amazing. So so Wolfman Josh contacted me and said, "Hey, one of the listeners wants to send you something can, um, as a surprise. Can we just send it to your work address?" And I'm like, "Yeah, send it on." And you know, if it's a bomb, then <laughs> then <laughs> that'll be the end of me. You know, at least
2: it'll blow up your work instead of your house. <laughs> <laughs> that,
0: exactly. At least yeah, my man, family you know. will uh, you know survive it. But um, I, so I honestly. And and Josh, I don't know if you were sworn to secrecy. I don't know who sent this, but thank you so much. Are you allowed to tell who sent this in? I believe I was
2: told that it is from the listeners.
0: So, Oh, oh really? <laughs> well, thank you all. I mean, I was I was seriously impressed by that. So I've actually told a lot of people about that, like outside of the podcasting realm. You know, we have our friends in podcasting, but I've been telling people... Yeah, I get these podcasts and and like the listeners are really my friends. Like they sent me this tape and I don't know. I haven't I haven't unwrapped. I am definitely going to watch this, but I haven't unwrapped it. Maybe it's still a bomb for all I know, but it's not ticking. So, <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, um, well, I'm sorry about all this front loaded intro. There was one other funny thing that I wanted to tell you guys about. And this will sound <sighs> I, I I apologize. This might sound a little high horse ish. But uh, this is my way of trying to show appreciation back to the listeners. <laughs> I got a really interesting email. It was the first time ever. Okay, I've been doing film criticism for 10 years now, and it was the first time this happened. Somebody emailed me at Horror Movie Podcast, and and basically they said, hey, if you say this quote or put this in your on your website or in your show notes, basically own this quote, this attribution about this upcoming horror film which was positive and meant to generate buzz a film i had never seen then they said we'll pay you 60 bucks <laughs> and i'm like um so I, at this point i want to see if josh and dave are disavowing my my uh comments <laughs> Because, well, I mean, have you, have you said it yet yeah, on the show? No, 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 no. No, no so yeah, I, I guess I should at this point tell you what I said in response. So first of all, the guy was really nice. So I'm not dissing and I'm not going to say what the film was or who sent it in, but I'm just putting it out there not to be on a high horse. But um, for those who don't know, in the film critic industry, that's called quote whoring that's the, the that's the uh nickname for that and right. um and I I you know I didn't say that back to him you know cuz he he knows what what the game is but I said yeah that's that's not how I roll as a film critic but I'll tell you what if you I'm I'm happy to review the movie for real like I'll check it out and if I if I love it you know I'll tell the listeners and you know I'll broadcast it and For free. I mean, you don't pay no money necessary. And then I pointed to, like, you know, our review of The Invitation. We love that and we championed it. But I said, no, you know, we're dead serious about horror movies and that's not just a tagline. So, anyway, I get all that to say, not that I'm a great guy. I'm just saying that we're not going to just give you reviews because we're getting paid to say things. We're going to give you what we really think and. And I know that Josh and Dave are the same way.
3: Well,
2: <laughs>
0: Josh is like sixty bucks. That's sixty bucks, right about
2: now. So, <laughs> right. I know. Like, send that quote right. over because I saw a movie this weekend. I want to tell you about.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I need you to say that.
2: No, but I'd,
1: but I'm I'm with you, Jay. Every now and again, I'll, I'll, somebody will send something to me, like an advertising, uh, you know, for the blog. Mm-hmm. But what they want to do is they want to they want me to put a post up where I somehow work it or they provide me with a post that would fit the blog but would work in their movie their <laughs> right. site whatever it is into it if I would agree to put it as a post, which I've never done anything like that. I mean every every post I make is just another movie in the cycle. Right. So I. Basically, tell them no. I can't do it. I mean, if you want to talk about like a like a, an ad on the site or something, that's fine. But uh, I'm not doing it as, as a post, and that seems to be what everybody's moving toward now when it comes to the blogs. Yeah, doing it as an actual post and putting it somewhere in the you know in the text. Right. Um, which I'm not going to do either. I've pretty much turned all. i well, I have turned every single one of them down.
2: I'd love to get a poster quote for a movie I really liked, but my thing is is I improvise all of my reviews, and so <laughs> I never have one just you know clear sentence that is great for a movie poster. I almost feel like I should you know when I write out my reading and recommendation. Just write out a, a one sentence, you know, tag that could be put up on Twitter or whatever to grab their attention. Because, like, the producers of Green Room the other day were like posting all of their great quotes up on Facebook, and I was just like, "Hey, remember how I fawned all over this movie on horror movie podcast?" Yeah, and they were like, "Yeah, thanks, but you know,
0: yeah, right. they can't
2: use my inarticulate, wandering <laughs> comments." As, <laughs> something that's going to go on
0: a poster. I know. Yeah. See, in that case, if it happens naturally, like, and like you're talking about Josh, where if you genuinely felt that way, you saw the movie in the first place and then you liked it and you said that then yeah, if they use it on a poster, then that's great. You know, that's good exposure for the podcast and so forth. But, but man, <laughs> like Larry King, I tell you, Larry King, and I'm, I'm, I'm naming names right now. Like as far as like quote unquote film criticism Larry King, I mean, he may be good at other things like interviewing, maybe not. But man, that guy, I heard him say way too many times, this is the greatest movie ever made. And I'm just like, oh my goodness, this guy's, it really bothered me.
1: Larry so, King, I didn't, I didn't even know he, I didn't even know he did that. Did oh I don't watch goodness. Larry King, but.
0: He's, he's got to be the most egregious example I've ever encountered. Unless maybe the guy, hey. You know, maybe the guy genuinely loves movies, and he's like a child where every yeah. single movie he sees is the best movie he's ever seen. Like maybe, but
2: it's like the Rolling Stone critic too. I mean, he loves
0: everything. And at first, when I would read, I'd yes. read up on
2: movies that I liked that he liked. I'd be like, "Oh wow!" Like I, I am right in line with this guy. But then I started realizing, no, he likes everything. Yeah, Peter Travers, <laughs> he he does. Exactly.
0: I've noticed that recently too. Like he 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 likes things, but like you know. That's cool, but honestly, all we have, (laughs) really, all we have is our, you know, our opinion, and if people can't trust us for that with our own point of view, then, you know, we're going to be useless, so, and we're already pretty much useless, but still, it's fun. (laughs) Um, Okay, so, moving on from that, thanks for listening to that. I was really flattered that they even thought of us (laughs) to offer us (laughs) So, you know what I mean? It's like, well, they must right. think that the podcast is, to some degree, worth their while. It's worth 60 yeah. bucks to them. So You've made it, Jay. Sure. You, I, you
2: finally made it.
0: I know. I, I, I had the opportunity to be a quote whore. I love it. Um, I told my mom. Um, anyway, guys, I heard about this, but I haven't seen it yet. Have you seen this, the Salem TV show? No. No, I have not. Okay, because on Movie Podcast Weekly... Geek cast Ryan told me about this and he said, hey, that thing has the same flavor and tone. I mean, Ryan thinks it's a lot like The Witch, which I love The Witch. Um, they pay me 60 bucks to say that. No, I'm just kidding. But but <laughs> but he, he said it's very much like The Witch. And and even though Ryan's not a horror fan, per se, you know, I, I think he has pretty astute observations. So um, I'm actually really intrigued by that. So, if the listeners have seen Salem, the TV show, let us know if it's worth checking out. Okay. Yeah.
3: Cool.
0: You guys got any other preliminary stuff before we jump into this crazy subgenre? <laughs>
1: like, no, not nothing except maybe that. Do you think we should change the first beginning of the show? That this is probably the one show where we're not dead serious.
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. About horror movies. Yeah,
0: we're we're much less serious about horror movies in this particular episode. That's yeah. a good one, Dave. I like that. All right. Well, here it is. You guys have thrust this upon me and um <laughs> No, I'm just kidding. Uh no, I'm happy. I'm happy we're doing this actually. This is this is a fascinating topic we're going to be discussing horror comedy and comedy horror. Now, um maybe the first thing um, to, we'll we'll discuss all that in a second. Um, but we actually got some great listener feedback. Wolfman Josh, like, threw down the gauntlet. He called out name. He named names at the end of the last episode. He was challenging people, sending uh, voicemails and feedback. So we actually got some good feedback on this episode. So I maybe we, if you guys don't mind, maybe we could kick off the whole thing by these listener comments that Josh has. Curated and collected for us. Okay, so the first one comes from David. David writes, So glad you guys are finally doing this theme. I've been quoted in the past as saying I'm not much of a horror comedy fan, but in truth, there's a whole bunch of movies in the subgenre that I really enjoy. Side note, David, I kind of got to admit that too. Okay. On side note, I've said before that I think the term horror comedy resonates as being so paradoxical in the subconscious that we have an innate tendency to question it and struggle with it. But removed from the context of that term, many of the associated movies reveal themselves as works of genius. So there's David, as articulate as ever, and right on the money, I think. Yep.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: And if I understood him correctly, basically, David, the gist of what he's saying is that the whole label horror comedy sounds weird and that kind of bothers us. But when you see it in action, when you actually experience it, then it's much less off-putting than how, you know, oxymoronic that seems.
2: And really enumerate the films that you like that might fall into that genre as well.
0: Right. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Dave, you got one?
1: I have one from Mr. Watson, Uh, and what he says is the the paradoxical nature of horror comedies is something I've been thinking about for a while. And I would say that the main reason I enjoy horror comedies is the same reason I enjoy any horror at all. It has everything to do with that whole paradoxical struggle, that peculiar internal push and pull uh, most of us don't likely even recognize or consider. That keeps us coming back to horror films over and over again, despite the fact that none of us really want to witness acts of wholesale slaughter, satanic blood rituals, or demonic hauntings, among other awful things.
2: Yeah, I like that. There's, there's just yeah. kind of this something in us that is, despite the gruesome nature of what it is, yeah, we likes to have that feeling.
1: Exactly. Exactly.
0: And, and because we go there with these films like when it's really intense really severe like something like martyrs for example um uh, when uh-huh. you go there and you choose to subject yourself to that kind of content then then i wonder if like all, many of us appreciate horror comedy so much because that allows us a little bit of re- reprieve within the film where we can kind of connect or touch base with our humanity again. Remember when you were a young kid and you were playing tag, you'd be out of breath and then you'd run back for to the base for a second and then run back out again. Yeah, or or you know swimming, hang on the wall. Mm-hmm. Then the comedy aspects might be like the wall and the swimming pool or something. I I don't know. Just a thought.
2: I mean, for me also, the comedy acts as this leavening agent to allow you to think you're safe when you're actually not so it's not only just getting being able to get a breath of air and and relax for a minute that's there too and i think but i think what that actually does is it makes those other scares punch a little bit harder because it's not just this unrelenting monotonous tone it's got peaks and valleys it's dynamic
0: Yes, and in fact, Wolfman, when I was a, a psychology major, one of my favorite things I learned as a psych major at the time was that um, the reason, like in psychology, they stu- they studied comedy in horror films, and, and according to psychologists, I wish I had the exact report here, but, but basically, um, supposedly on the spectrum of emotion, um being scared and laughing are like the farthest apart. So if you're laughing at something and then you get scared, then you're traveling the farthest possible distance on the emotional spectrum. And so it really sways you as a person and has a dramatic effect on you. And that's, that's one reason why they like to do that. And in a, in a little bit, yeah, yeah. So in a little bit, I'll, I'll read um a neat quote about that, but I don't know. Do you, Do you get that sense? Because, yeah, I do. There's like almost like a a nervousness to watching horror comedy because you're laughing, but you know that there's a punch in the gut coming.
2: Yeah.
3: Right.
2: Uh And here's another weird example. Um, I was working on a documentary about nutrition over the last year, and we talked to a guy at Cornell who studies subconscious eating patterns and why people mindlessly eat things like when they're not actually thinking about it so they do all these tests wow. to see like what will people do if you put the candy bowl five feet closer as opposed to further away or what will they do if you put the leftovers on the stove as opposed to in a big bowl on the table do, do you subconsciously desire more and one of the things that they did was with popcorn They did actually several tests with movie popcorn, but one of them was just giving people plain popcorn with a lot of butter, and then the other one, they put M&Ms in the popcorn, (laughs) and they found that people consumed twice as much popcorn when the M&Ms were in it than just butter alone because there was something, it was that combination of flavors kept it exciting and it didn't have that monotony of <laughs> I'm getting kind of sick of this. You
0: know? is, is this, hey. uh, that, that sound like a setup to uh, the final girls joke there. You were call, calling back. <laughs> <laughs> I, I loved it.
2: Well, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's,
0: that's cool. Yeah. I like that. And there's something about salty, then sweet, salty, then sweet. Yes, I agree. So you're saying that for horror comedy, you know, there's the salty, which is horror, then the sweet, which is comedy. Or vice versa, depending on how screwed up you are. Right. <laughs> okay. well, I've got
2: a comment here I've got a comment here from Dino that's kind of along those lines. So let me read that really quick.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: He said, I've said before that I'm not a huge fan of the horror comedy genre blend, but when reflecting on the subgenre, I'm amazed by the number of beloved movies it covers. Others have already been touched on Others have already touched on why it works so well, namely its paradoxical nature. But horror and comedy fall on complete opposite ends of the emotional spectrum, Jay, as you mentioned. So that's kind of interesting. And Dino says here, as a form of a sort of cinematic yin and yang. So Mm -hmm. he quotes from Wikipedia, yin and yang describe how opposite or contrary forces are actually complementary, interconnected, and interdependent in the natural world, and how they give rise to each other as they interrelate to one another. So Dino says, what this translates to for me is a completely fun, enjoyable movie experience, a light and accessible way to take in some horror. I was surprised by how difficult it was to narrow down a list to just four titles. It helped the Wolfman Josh lay out some restrictions, blah, 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 blah. Nice. But um, still, it was difficult to shave it down to just four and then he has a couple other comments here that i thought were interesting he says that said every iteration of my list began with two movies an american werewolf in london and fright night and then he had a he had a bone to pick with you jay he said i wanted to mention that i did not consider scream or jason lives friday the 13th part six because i do not think of them as horror comedies just straight horror films with funny postmodern elements a reoccurring theme and comment from jay of the dead during the scream franchise coverage was this continual reference to Scream as horror comedy.
0: Buckle up. Dead, buckle up. There's more <laughs> of that coming. Sorry. Day
2: of the Dead, brother, Scream is not horror comedy. Just because the movie has funny parts or comedic elements doesn't mean it's a comedy. When I think of horror comedies, I think of Shaun of the Dead or Zombieland or Return of the Living Dead or Tremors. The Scream movies are nowhere near these films on the comedy spectrum. I was soft earlier on the coverage about calling Scream a horror comedy, but I'm coming in hard now. Scream is not a horror comedy, in my opinion, and it drives me crazy whenever Jay *The Dead* says that it is.
0: Wow. So. <laughs> okay. What? Well, okay. Well, the only way, since we don't have him here, but we we, we will we'll go into this. So, Josh and Dave, is yeah. *Scream* a parody? Is, is *Scream* um, does that have parody? Would you call it a horror parody? Is that fair? You guys, well,
2: I don't think so. I think scary movie. I would no. call it parody.
0: So that's there's right. a okay, I, okay. Yeah,
2: I, F, I, 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 F, I don't erotic elements.
0: I'm um, I'm getting out. Uh, so I'm um, okay. I wanted to just check on that. So would you call it um, horror satire? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And in, in fact, um, uh, scream. Yeah. Yeah. Because I believe I think
2: it's a satire of the genre. I think so.
0: Yeah. You said that a lot in your reviews, actually. So so if you go to Merriam which is a dictionary website. That was Dino, right? Um, It says, satire, a way of using humor to show that someone or something is whatever, you know, foolish, weak, bad, whatever, humor that shows the weakness or bad qualities of something, blah, blah, blah. So, is satire a form of comedy? Yes. So, if you believe that Scream is horror satire, ergo... It's horror comedy. Uh, And I think he's splitting hairs here because, and we're going to talk about, there are different types of horror comedies. I think there's actually a spectrum of horror comedy, Dino. And I think it is on that spectrum, um, perhaps on the, the satire end of the spectrum.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think for this episode, and we haven't really discussed this amongst ourselves, but I think we should go with the big tent of horror comedy, here um because i'm i tend to disqualify films that i think of as comedy horror like uh, young frankenstein ghostbusters the Abbott and costello movies i don't think of those as horror comedies i think of those as comedy horror which i think of almost an entirely different subgenre but a lot of our listeners had those types of films on their lists and so i don't know i think i'm okay in this discussion with talking about it broadly and going with either horror-comedy or comedy-horror. What do you guys See, think? I
1: would I would agree with you on most of them, except for the Abbott and Costello, and the one I'm thinking of specifically is the Frankenstein, only because the horror elements of that, they're playing it completely straight. You know, it is a combination. I guess it's splitting hairs on that one, too. You could look at it as comedy-horror or horror-comedy. Um, well, and we'll get to that a little, bit, a little bit later, I guess. But for that one, I mean, you have Lugosi, you have Cheney, um, You have Glenn Strange. They're acting in a horror movie. I mean, they're not yeah. part of the comedy. Yes. I look at that one, you know, as as I guess it could go either way.
2: Because your characters don't seem that actually scared. They're very comedic in their reaction to the horror. If that makes sense, like the stakes don't feel high because Bud Abbott doesn't. He mm. just goes. It's almost Three Stooges level of like, whoop, 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 whoop. Like, it's, you know, it's funny. It, it, is, uh, it, it is, I can see that.
1: <laughs> I, I know what you're talking about, but then it is, it, it also gets a little bit um, uh, brutal toward the end there. I mean, you get somebody who gets tossed out a window and falls to their death. And I'm not just talking at the very end with, with you know, some of the, uh, I don't want to get into spoilers. Maybe we should eliminate that. But you, you, there is peril in it. You know, there there are people who there is somebody who dies in the movie.
3: Mm-hmm. And I'm not well,
1: talking about the characters. There is, you know,
2: yeah, yeah. I think a film that a lot of our listeners pointed to as one of the best examples was Tremors. And I think it was Juan that said it is that is a film that is literally fifty fifty. Like it's legitimately horror, legitimately comedy. Right. And for me, the jokes, even though sometimes they are directed in the direction of, you know, the monster, the people are still completely terrified and acting in a real world uh, way with relation to the monster. Mm -hmm. They're never whooping it up for a laugh. Like they're, they're acting in, you know, in self-preservation mode the entire time.
0: Yeah. And, and this is great. I'm glad that this distinction came up because this is one of our points tonight that we needed to hit on was horror comedy versus comedy horror. And we've talked about this before, but but yeah, I do. I think that this is there is a spectrum, and horror comedy is on one end of the spectrum where it's it's more horror, it's more serious business than it is comedy, and then the other end of the spectrum is the opposite. And in fact, um, one of our horror scholars or someone who writes about horror a lot is John Kenneth Muir, and in his book um, Horror Films FAQ, in his horror comedy chapter, he actually makes this distinction. And I really like this here. So he says, as the placement of the term, of the descriptive term suggests, a horror comedy places an emphasis on scares while the comedy horror film moves that emphasis into the realm of laughs. But a horror comedy is a horror film first and thus merits inclusion in a book about the parameters of horror films. A comedy horror film, on the other hand, is primarily a humorous effort that makes fun of or mocks horror movie conventions, which is go ahead. Go ahead.
2: Well, I think there's, there are some exceptions to even that though. And to me, it's how seriously the horror is taken. So I think Shaun of the dead is primarily a comedy film, but it's also a legitimate zombie movie. Like it does. It it's not just referencing horror and has a few moments of horror It is acting in all of its construction as a zombie movie. See, see,
0: that one is a a great example. And it's a lot like Tremors to me in that I think it's right at the midpoint between the two where it's like a a tremendous, like a very successful mixture of both. Like if you look at it for a comedy film, it works. You look at it for a horror film, it works. But just to finish it, just a couple more sentences here. He says, the comedy horror film is thus not frightening in any way according to mirror here, those several characters and situations are indeed familiar from horror film history. In other words, a comedy horror film is a comedy film set in the world of horror, but not in and of itself horrific. So
2: Jay, maybe you could go directly into dark Mark's comment because I think it relates here. And is kind of funny um, Mm -hmm. contextually with what you just read.
0: Okay. So dark Mark writes to me, Horror comedy and comedy horror are both legitimate sub-genres that can fit under the horror umbrella. If the film intends to make people laugh, but heavily relies on horror tropes, I would include it in horror or comedy genres. I find it very hard to separate movies out of horror comedy because they don't intend or didn't scare me. I watched plenty of horror films that didn't scare me at all. <laughs>
2: So that's kind of a funny response to that idea of like, yeah. well, not all horror movies scare me either
0: that's true that's a good, good point that's a good point I like that yep, okay, Dave, what do you have next?
1: I have one from Sal um and Sal says genres are simply put descriptions of a type of movie in its most simplistic manner. A comedy is a movie designed to make you laugh. A romance movie shows a tale of love the An action movie has a lot of adventure and explosions. Horror is designed to scare the audience. I do not believe it's important to define whether a movie is or is not horror, unless it comes to making lists. Most of the time, it doesn't matter how you classify a movie. I don't have any problems with movies that blend genres. At no time were movies uh, suggested to be pigeonholed into one type of genre genres were created to help moviegoers know whether or not a movie might be worth, might be worth watching. Uh, since each genre has a very, uh, simple definition slash goal, it only makes sense that a lot of movies are, are going to fall into multiple genres. Comedy is used in multiple genres, uh, to help lighten the mood.
2: So I think that's probably what Dina would say about scream. Um the the comedies in that film just to lighten the mood, not necessarily as the driving force of the film. I don't know if I agree with him, but.
0: Yeah, see, that's interesting. A, it, it is astounding to me, and I'm not going after Dino on purpose, but it's really surprising that he feels so strongly about it just because with Scream, it's like, okay, that's legitimately a slasher, and it is scary, but there that thing is loaded with comedy and comedic moments and laughs, and I'm like, Wow, it I, doesn't compute. I'm sorry, Dino. I just, I would love if Dino would write an essay about this and tell us why well, Scream is not.
2: Look at it just compared to to Shaun of the Dead. I mean, Shaun of the Dead is has some scares in it, but and and again, I stand by what I just said. It's a legitimate zombie movie, but Scream scared the living crap out of me when I first saw it. And I, at no point do I look at the zombies in Shaun of the Dead and think those are among the most iconic zombies in a horror movie. Right. You know, they're just kind of funny to me. I mean, they have scary moments and they're real, but they, it's not like Ghostface killer. Like I am scared of Ghostface killers at my door. If I see the zombies from Shaun of the Dead, I think I might have a fighting chance.
0: Right. Right. That's neat. Yeah, it's interesting, and I, I I really think it comes down to there being a spectrum on this, and yeah. it's just. And
2: what I mean to say is, the level of peril is just so much higher in a film like Scream. That's I think why, as a, as myself, like you know, a major fan of Scream, I think I, I, comedy isn't what comes to mind when I think of it. I think of scares. So yeah, um, yeah, but I think the spectrum idea is. Good, and probably the one that we should embrace in this conversation.
0: Okay, gotcha. What do you got, Wolfman? You got another comment as well, right?
2: Yeah, this is the last one I wanted to read uh, before we get into kind of our reviews and stuff. It's just, uh, it's really long, but if people can bear with me and if I can manage to read it, Red Cap Jack says some brilliant things in here, and he gives a couple of specific movie Uh, references here. We can stop and talk along the way if if you want, so just stop me if anything catches your ear. Okay. Redcap is is here are my thoughts on the topic of horror comedy. It's important to me that I discuss an aspect of comedy that many people tend to ignore, especially when considering the crossbreeding of horror and comedy. The problem with the beginning of the conversation is that a film like Scary Movie is far too easily lumped together with films like Evil Dead 2 or Dead Alive or even Scream when these films are as far apart as possible from the classification. This runs deeper than mere listing comedy first and then horror second. It's important to recognize that comedy has a couple of subgenres and approaches just as many and as varied as the subgenre we find subgenres we find in the horror category and just as important to differentiate. There is a large world of differences between parody, slapstick, screwball, situational, and farce. And depending on the approach, These differences vastly change how horror material can be approached with an eye toward comedy. This is brilliant, by the way. Yes. Great, great points. Yeah,
1: absolutely. I agree.
2: A parody of a horror film such as Scary Movie is purely a comedy that uses some of the trappings of a horror film, but only in a manner that is openly mocking, somewhat dismissive, and in no way meant to be horrific in any way. Slapstick will have a lot of falling down, accidental injuries, and pratfalls, but it avoids any real horror classification when no harm is actually done. Each of the other classes are covered in similar manners, so I wanted to be very specific with how horror and comedy are able to blend, because I'm not of the opinion that a monster necessarily equates a horror-comedy, whereas a monster movie can utilize elements of comedy, like Transylvania 65000 versus Monster Squad, for example. A real horror comedy utilizes elements of comedy in order to place a certain degree of humor to what is otherwise a horrifying situation. But the situation itself has to be horrifying, not scary in itself, because horror is about much more than fear. The slapstick works when we find ourselves laughing at a particularly gory moment, such as a teen tripping into a wood chipper as he attempts to shove over our protagonist, which is from what, uh... What movie is is he referring to in that? It's a Tucker and Dale versus evil. Right. Right. Yep. We laugh because it follows the slapstick beat, but we're also horrified a little uh, with guilt because the character didn't really deserve that fate, but he's dead messily and gorely. So, and it's tragic. And we laugh because of the way in which it's presented, we look at a film like The Final Girls and we see the elements of a parody. But again, it's only presenting the elements of this comedic trope in order to tell us a story where the characters are still in danger. We may see a few deaths as a punchline, but the sum total of the effect is that we have more affection for the characters and their fates actually mean something when they die or suffer as opposed to a straight up parody such a scary movie. These are great points. <laughs> yes. And then there's the disarming effect of humor. When a clever line makes us laugh only to yank the bottom out from under us with a significant death scene or jump scare or some other tragi- tragic event. We're mostly laughing a little when Hudson declares game over, man, despite, despite the fact that our <laughs> protagonists are surrounded by aliens and what may most likely be a very deadly situation. <laughs> Comedy is essentially a tool that should absolutely be embraced for the things that it can bring to the horror genre. It can be necessary as a shadow, a blood pack, a monologue, depending on the type of story a filmmaker wants to tell. The tool can be used well or it can fall flat, depending on the audience as well. In closing, I'd like to talk about a film that is, to me, absolutely perfect with regard to the blend of horror and comedy, An American Werewolf in London. I'd like to use this as an example because it utilizes a much more rare and much more difficult comedic approach to filmmaking and storytelling. Specifically, this is a blend of situational and screwball comedy in order to tell a story that is ultimately tragic and horrific. David and his friend are traveling through Europe when they come upon a small tavern where the locals behave in an odd manner, and both men react with wisecracks and a little humor. Watch any buddy picture with Bob Hope and Bing Crosby. You'll find some parallels in the character dynamic. They're attacked, suddenly and viciously, and, for one, fatally. The other wakes up to a beautiful woman with whom he begins a quick romantic screwball, only to be warned off by his buddy that he's cursed to become a monster. These scenes continue the situational aspect with a couple of silly scenes where our, we find ourselves laughing at a decomposing soul cursed to an eternity of suffering unless he can convince his buddy to end his own life. Hilarious, right? But we're usually laughing during these scenes because, heck, they're clever and witty, guys, right up until and during the moment where David meets his own victims. And all of that sets us up for heart-wrenching tragedy. So anyway, wow. that was Redcap Jack's comment. That's Better said than I could have ever come up yeah, with. And, seriously uh, and really identifies an interesting element, which is what type of comedy is it using? Because we were so focused on the horror, but I think the type of comedy utilized actually might have a bigger effect on how we feel about the film in terms of whether it's comedy, horror, horror <laughs> comedy. I used the example of Bud Abbott, and that might, you know, be because of the type of comedy that was used. Um, Dino might not relate to Scream as a horror comedy because the way comedy is used in that, the type of comedy that is used, doesn't feel slapstick or silly. It feels still within the serious world. So,
0: yeah. <laughs> Our listeners, I feel really self conscious sometimes when I hear. <laughs> when, <laughs> I'm like, okay, why am I on this podcast? Like, when, when we get comments like that, I mean, that is brilliant. Yeah, Red Cap Jack, yeah. profs, because. I honestly, Josh, I wanted to jump in and I'm like, nope, I can't improve on that. And yep, he just right. taught me something there and, and there. And it was amazing. <laughs> so I guess I'll say something dumb following that <laughs> in, in comparison. But one thing that I think of and I wonder about is, um, you know, like in, in the Greek theater, in the ancient Greek theater, those masks, There, there's the mask for comedy and the mask for tragedy. And I wonder if horror comedy just ended up being somebody that, that thought, what, what would happen if we took these two masks and blended them together? I mean, I think of a horror comedy as kind of a, a newer thing, but I bet you, because I don't know much about the theater, to be honest, but I bet you that horror comedy even dates back anciently, and they probably did blend the two masks. I don't know.
2: Yeah, I mean, even if you think about the Shakespeare comedies, they're still pretty tragic, you know, right. <laughs> But right. in terms of how we think about comedy.
0: Right, yeah. Yeah, so that's amazing. But anyways, but it sounds like we did come to one degree of consensus, and that is the fact that there is a spectrum of horror comedy. But I, I think before we move on, maybe we should talk about those who oppose horror comedy and, and just talk about why that must bother us because I've had to come to terms with this and I feel like the listeners are like holding my feet to the fire on this episode because when we were especially when I was going through and making my top 10 list it's like wow these are great horror films and they are horror films and I have to admit, I really love these movies. I love a lot of horror comedies more than I ever suspected. You just don't realize it, guys. Like, I I don't know if that was the case for you guys. I know Doc put together a huge list, but I'm like, wow, I guess I do love a lot of horror comedies. It's just just not my first choice because I like it to strictly be realistic and scary for me. But man, I Uh enjoy these too, I guess admittedly so well, yeah i don't know why do people hit, why why are people so vehemently opposed well, sometimes why
2: are you so vehemently opposed to it cuz it's you're the guy you're yeah, the right. representative
0: i guess so i mean it's strictly for me it's it's a matter of preference it's like you only have so many hours in a day to watch movies <laughs> so it's like if i want if i want to watch a horror film um what resonates most with me what rocks my Insides, it, and it was hilarious because Kagan who talked about Owen Wilson, right? Like, in, <laughs> and, it's, and, and it's so true, like, No Escape, which I know everybody says is not a horror film. Um, that, that's if something seems like it could, I could walk out my front door and it could happen to me, it could befall me somehow. If, if I really relate to that, then man, that's what freaks me out so bad. So That that's what gets me going the most in horror, and I think that's why. And when it's horror comedy, it's kind of like a musical. When I watch a musical, it's like okay, if people are busting out in song in the middle of everyday life, this breaks the spell of like verisimilitude. Like that is obviously not real. And so when I see horror comedy and they're laughing while they're getting killed or, or you know thereabouts or thereafter, then it breaks the spell for me.
2: Yeah. I mean, for me, I notice. I I mean, and I'm saying this as a fan of horror comedy. Um, the types of films I really enjoy are the ones where it feels more like a horror film, mm-hmm. and that would be like you know the ones that the audience mentioned are great examples. Tremors feels like a horror film to me still. Now I don't mind a comedy horror. I really enjoy a film like Young Einstein as well. Not young Einstein, young Frankenstein. <laughs> <laughs> Hell, I love young Einstein. Who's who am I joking here? I like you, but um but yeah, young <laughs>
3: Frankenstein.
2: <laughs>
0: Josh, is. Josh has young kids. <laughs> I love it. I mean I love baby Einstein even. Like but but go ahead, sorry.
2: <laughs> sorry, guys. Um no, but I mean I like a movie like Young. Frankenstein, I just think of it as a comedy, and I prefer it when I'm watching comedies because then it still has a vibe of horror to it. Like, Clue is an example for me. I love Clue, um, but I don't think of it as a scary movie in any way. I think of it as a comedy that has some really fun murder mystery moments that I love, and so um, it gets more difficult when I get down to films like Ghostbusters and The Burbs that I see on a lot of our listeners list, because those are some of my favorite movies of all time, but I actually think of them more as comedy films. Like if, if I'm working at a video store, which I used to do, and I'm going to go put those out on the shelf, I'm going to put those in the comedy section. And so that's really the dividing line for me is like, if I'm running the video store, Tremors, lost boys, return of the living dead, they're all going in the horror movie section, but, um, young Frankenstein that's, that's in comedy. And, you know, and that's what I'm telling the mom when she comes in to ask where the movie is. I'm telling her that's obviously that's over in comedy.
0: Right. And, and see, for for me, if I were going to try to classify it, though, like if, if somebody like really wanted me to be, you know, specific about subgenre, I would I would call it a, a far right, you know, far right comedy horror. Comedy first horror. But, yeah, I see what you're saying, Josh. So you definitely think of it as a comedy first. So, I'm with you on that. Uh, side note, you brought up Ghostbusters, and I guess it's inevitable that we talk about that, especially with the the upcoming Ghostbusters movie this summer. Guys, I... Yeah, which I think we should cover on the show, so
2: maybe um, don't go too deep in this, but
0: don't you think? Right, right. Yeah, well, I just wanted to say one thing, maybe to provoke listeners, as usual, um, toward that show, which is coming... Like right, so this will be something a little stir them up a little bit. If you haven't revisited the original 1984 Ghostbusters, I actually just watched it twice recently um, to prepare for you know commentary that we did with Movie Podcast Weekly when Ryan visited Utah. And side note, that commentary is horrible. <laughs> like, but anyways, <laughs> when I watched huh. it, when I watched it twice, and especially the first time when I was really paying attention. I'm sad to report that it does not hold up. It is not the classic You're that crazy. I that I thought it was. Uh, oh, just yeah, saying, I
1: don't, you don't agree with you at all. When's the last time not you guys watched it?
0: When's the last time you watched it? I watch it almost
1: it? every year. Yeah, I, I watched it about. I showed. I watched it with my kids about a year and a half ago.
0: Well, I hear I hear nostalgia talking then because you know I, I really wanted to look at this cuz I used to love it you and I
1: find, you don't find Bill Murray you don't find what Bill Murray funny in that movie
0: Yeah, he's funny. I never said he wasn't funny. But like you think of it as this you, you, I don't know about you, but as the new one was coming, you know, this summer, I, I was like, "Oh, I don't know. You guys better be careful cuz this is sacred ground." I mean, that's that original is a classic. How are you going to do that? And then I watched it and it's like, "Well, <laughs> maybe they could do it, you know." So I'm just no. saying, Man, they they still they
1: still better be careful cuz it is sacred. Ground. <laughs>
0: okay all right well i i i sense nostalgia goggles a little bit but maybe maybe not maybe not i used to love it and i still like it
1: so if we if we agree with you it would be it would be coming from an area of knowledge disagreeing you it must be nostalgia
0: (laughs) Uh, obviously obviously (laughs) dave i couldn't have said it better myself (laughs) okay all right i feel like you're really getting me now i feel like we're connecting so okay anyway i told you that would provoke people so uh yeah get ready for our ghostbusters episode because um i think i'm going to be taking people off or something but anyways so let's keep on trucking i guess (laughs) onward and upward (laughs) because <laughs> I sense the podcast and the listenership turning on me right now. Um, so are we are we ready to move into our first feature review of the evening? Sure,
3: let's do it.
0: Okay, because there are other aspects to discuss about horror comedies, of course, in this genre discussion, but I think that some of these will be brought forth through the discussion of these movies. So let's move into our feature review of Dead Alive, a.k.a. Braindead. On this picturesque block...
1: In this manicured home, something evil, something terrifying, something horrifying, is haunting Lionel.
2: His mother.
0: I thought I told you to spray this house. The place is infested with bourbon.
2: Although she was a little strict.
0: Look at this dust. It's an inch thick.
1: He never wished her any harm. You look after me Until... <laughs> your mother's dead, Lionel. Now, whatever mom's
3: got... Your ...has caught on with the neighbors.
1: Okay, we have Dead Alive, uh, directed by Peter Jackson uh, in 1992. And uh, also released as Brain Dead in its native New Zealand. The movie starts in 1957. Uh, it takes place in uh, the town of Wellington, and it uh, follows Lionel Cosgrove uh, when he first meets and falls in love with a shop girl named Paquita. Um, you know, for her, Lionel is kind of like a knight in shining armor. You know, the man that her grandmother saw in her tarot cards uh, and foretold that he's going to protect Paquita from all the dangers. You know, of the world. But what happens is Lionel has a very overbearing mother named Vera, and when uh, Lionel and Paquita are out on a date at the zoo, uh, the mother is sort of spying on them, you know, seeing what's going on. Well, while spying on them, she is bitten by a rat monkey, which is a rare creature found only in Sumatra. Um, now, it, at first, it just kind of looks like a simple bite, but uh, pretty soon, you know, Vera's um, it, she's on death's door. Um, and despite what Lionel, you know, Lionel and they bring a nurse in, they try to save her, but she doesn't make it. She, she dies. The problem is she doesn't stay dead for long, you know, pretty soon after she dies, she's up and walking again. Only now she is like most zombies. She has a craving for human flesh. Um, and now that his mother's a zombie, uh, Lionel, you know, does what he can. He wants to keep her locked up. Uh, but within a day or two, you know. Uh, she's, um, you know, she's she's infecting other people. She gets loose, and then all hell breaks loose in the
2: town of Wellington. Okay, certainly does. Yeah, you could say <laughs> <Yeah>. that,
0: <laughs> right? All right, and and Josh, did you say Absolutely. you have some some listener comments that are specific to this film in particular? So
2: what I did is um, when our listeners wrote their picks for their favorite horror comedies some of them included descriptions of the films and so what i did is i just pulled from those people who had listed these films amongst their top four and had written a description just to get a little more listener feedback in there unfortunately not everybody left comments so this is you know just kept to a few individuals who did that but i think it's still nice to just get a little bit of a listener input on each of these movies so
0: yes and i appreciate how you do that you do a good job at that so i have one from the dude here do you want to hear that yes sir okay so the dude says how much did you have to pay jay to finally break down and quote-unquote allow a horror comedy episode (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> My one recommendation for a horror comedy review is Peter Jackson's 1992 masterpiece. The dude says, "Dead Alive." Thanks for considering it. Okay. All right. Yeah. And, and
1: I have one. I have one here from Mr. Watson. Uh, he says the pre-frighteners Peter Jackson film goes quite a bit heavier on the comedy than in than on outright horror. That said, what the film may lack in darker horror tones, it more than makes up for in the gore department. This film delivers the gore. Stephen King famously said that if he felt he couldn't scare a reader, he'd opt for the gross out. This film does just that to great effect. Mm
2: -hmm. And finally, Red Cap Jack says, Peter Jackson's glory, not glory, Peter Jackson's gory flick about a boy and his mother who got bitten by a Sumatran monkey rat and infected with a disease that turns people into flesh-eating monsters. This, by far, is the greatest horror comedy ever made with a perfect blend of slapstick and story.
0: Mm, Nice. Well, Mm -hmm. so the first thing, and they, they all actually, I think, underscored this. The first thing I think that's important about Dead Alive is... The way that this film takes the gore to an outrageous level, when it goes to the level of absurdity, and and everybody is, is is very familiar with the lawnmower scene, for example, among others. I mean, there are lots of great, just classic moments in this, but but especially like the lawnmower scene. Oh my goodness! Like it, it just goes to such a level of um. I guess over the topness and outrageousness, and there's a reason. Now, this is something that I wanted to try to identify with you guys. What is it within us that makes us kind of like? Why does that strike us funny? Uh, Like, what? I mean, I have something here from um, John Kenneth Muir, which we'll talk about in a second. But I wanted, I wanted to get your take, you guys. Why does it take us to a comedic place? When something is so outrageously gory and horrific.
2: I mean, I think Red Cap Jack pointed out something I'd never thought of, which is it's actually using an element of slapstick comedy, which is not anything I'd ever identified, but I think is brilliant. For me, it's about being uncomfortable. And I notice people laughing in horror movies all the time when they're uncomfortable. You go to paranormal activity and it's all 13 year old girls laughing through the whole movie because (laughs) nobody wants to get scared. And it's kind of a way to relieve your own tension, just the way that the last function of the film, we laugh to try to relieve some tension because we're so creeped out. But also I think, you know, I mean, I can really clearly remember seeing Grindhouse in the theater. And I was just with this group of filmmakers and we were all sitting there just laughing hysterically, but mainly because we couldn't believe what we were seeing and we couldn't believe that we're all sitting here watching it and we can't believe we're all sitting here watching it together. And just the absurdity of how over the top the film was just made us all laugh at just the fact that we were even watching it. And I I don't know, that was really telling to me and it's something I always think of when I think about laughing in a horror movie.
0: That's excellent. Uh, what, What about you, Dave? What do you say? It's the outlandishness of it. Just how insane it
1: is, and it, it does you, you sort of laugh at, "Hey, they went there.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
3: you yeah. know?
1: That, that's what it is. You, you, you're just like, "Wow, I, this movie, <laughs> they actually did that. I never in a million years would have thought. <laughs> I'd have seen something like that. And Peter Jackson, early in his career, <laughs> did a lot of this. I don't know if you' ever seen "Meet the Feebles," which oh, was like yeah. his, his take on, the, on a Muppet show sort of thing. Um, you know, he has a, he has a, I think it's a hippopotamus has sex with a cat. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's, it's just like, an, it's an insane sort of, uh, it's, it's a craziness. And he was, he was great at it early on. And I think Dead Alive really shows that.
0: Yes. See, I think, and this is my, my personal take on it. I think there's something about this is like a psychological reaction within. It's almost like a a self-defense mechanism. I think there's something about the utter desecration, mutilation, and like obliteration of the human body. Because when we see that, it really weirds us out and makes us aware of exactly of just how frail our mortal bodies are. Uh, And like, I mean, like if you see a movie where somebody like sticks their hand in a I don't know, like in a (laughs) garbage disposal, like in the sink. Uh And then it just like, you know, blood flies everywhere. It's like, wow, that hand is gone. And that could happen to my hand because we're basically just, you know, water, meat, you know, clay, more or less. (laughs) And and I think, I do. I think it's like a coping mechanism is why we giggle. Now, um, John Kenneth Muir says in his book here, he says... (laughs) Comedy tends to work in the horror genre through intentional overkill, through scenes of violence and gore so extreme that they elicit a response beyond terror, which is nervous giggles. At a certain threshold when something on screen is so over the top awful and disgusting, it emerges oddly enough as amusing. That's weird. That's really yeah, cool. That though. is.
1: What what did you say, obliteration? Yes. Those three. What was that? The three words: obliteration. I
0: said uh, desecration, mutilation, and obliteration of the human body.
1: For a second there, I thought I I thought you were doing Don King.
0: Oh, why? What what (laughs) does he? What does he say?
1: Just with oh, he just he loves to throw words like that together and uh, throw them around.
0: Well, I am a writer by day, so okay <laughs> that's how i roll <laughs> and nobody paid me 60 bucks to say that either so um
2: <laughs> so let's get down to the heart of the matter here let's you guys do like this movie or what
0: oh yeah, oh, yeah. i do Absolutely. I, I
2: don't i don't like this movie
0: are you serious really?
2: yeah wow. And i'll tell you why <laughs> i'll tell you why because i don't like the kind i don't like the type of comedy and that's the thing like the problem i have with it is the use of comedy in the movie? I don't think it's funny. I think it's really just grating and not entertaining for me. I mean, there are elements of bad taste that I like, there are elements of brain dead, dead alive that I like, but you know, overall, my overall net effect is I'm not enjoying myself. And if I compare that <laughs> to something like Frighteners. <laughs> I think Frighteners, he gets the balance right, and I think the comedy works in that movie. I wish that movie had a little more horror in it, but I just don't like the comedy here. Now, the horror works. Once everything hits the fan, or the lawnmower, as it were, <laughs> right.
3: then the movie well is done.
2: really sailing. And I, you know, once that party starts at the house, I can get into what's going on. There are some of the most beautifully- choreographed gore shots ever in cinema history in this movie yes thinking about the hand going through the face is probably one of the coolest gore shots i've ever seen in a movie right and you know there's a lot of other interesting ones too but i'm just not into the kitchen sink approach to the comedy it's has in common with it things i don't like about cabin in the woods actually later too where I just don't like this much craziness. I like something a little more controlled. And again, it's not craziness in terms of the splatter. That's incredible. I mean, I think this movie is a landmark, you know, in that and is one worth watching. If people wanted to study makeup effects, you should really check out what Peter Jackson does here because it's incredible. But, um, I find the first hour of the movie almost unbearable to sit through.
0: You don't even like the uh, Sumatran rat monkey? Because I love that thing.
2: I I actively dislike the Sumatran rat monkey. (laughs) The baby scene is one of, I just hate, I mean, it's some of the most, not even low brow, but just the lowest form of comedy to me. I just like, oh, this
0: is just. You can,
2: on my nerves.
0: you can knock me over with a feather right now, because honestly, I was going to try to shock the audience and the co-host here, because we, when we reviewed this on the weekly horror movie podcast, I remember Bill Shetty, who famously hates horror comedy, or used to at least, uh, he gave this a 4 out of 10 and called it an avoid back then. Wow. I don't know yeah. if he feels, still feels that way, but I remember being shocked by that and i thought he was basically the only person who didn't like this cuz even i can appreciate how insane this gets but but josh I, I respect you for just putting it out there and just saying hey i don't like dead alive
2: <laughs> hey man i'm ca- i'm cow tipping sacred cows tonight
0: <laughs> uh, you you really you really are because um those are fighting words for a lot of people but but dave you love this one right
1: yeah i absolutely do i absolutely do um, I, like I said, I love just how how crazy it gets, and a lot of it is, does have to do with the gore. I'll I'll admit that that's a lot like the the scene where they're um, uh, they have those people over. What was it? Was it from like the the the, so the neighbor a neighborhood society or something? Uh, the mother was trying yeah. to impress them, and then she suddenly starts oozing into the custard, and uh, oh, you know, the, the, yeah. You know things like that. That's I mean, so yeah, that, that's the that's that's the type of stuff. Uh, if I'm being honest, that that I really like about the film, and for me, there's enough of it there to qu- to qualify it as as just a really, uh, you know, uh, a personal favorite as far as you know horror comedies go. Well,
0: and and when you say the word personal there, I think that you actually hit on something. I know you're saying it was a personal favorite for you, but I think there is something very relatable about this film, despite its outrageousness, because um, let me see how I can phrase this. <laughs> a lot of people in this world are familiar with the overpowering parent, overpowering mother, or perhaps mother-in-law. And so, that, that aspect of this film really um, resonated for me. Now, I have a wonderful necromomacon, okay, but she's, she's a mom, And Uh a a big time mom that watches over me, even now that I'm 40 years old or whatever. So, so, but the thing is at the end, you know, and I don't want to go into spoilers in case some person out there hasn't actually seen this, but what we see, like the awesomeness that has to do with the mother at the end, just kind of, I remember Uh the first time seeing that, like my, my jaw just dropped. And I was like, wow, there is a, in this character, there's a representation in the character itself, the character development of like larger than life. And then that comes to be realized in a very literal way. And I think that's powerful too. And and it's also funny, right? Because we do kind of see our parents like that, even though we get bigger and we get older and our parents start to kind of wither and get smaller, there's, they still have a larger than life, um, presence in our lives, even though we're not small children anymore. So, uh, and and there's something absurd and funny about that. And I I don't know, like that. that's one of the aspects of this film that really strikes a chord with me.
2: I think for me, I don't know, I really like a lot of the elements of this movie, but I don't know, it's just, there are just some things that I can't get past not being entertained for, for much of the film. The mother thing is interesting. I, I was thinking about this, again, in terms of Frighteners, and I think it's interesting the kind of reversal of the mother character in that film. You have certain expectations about mothers and a house, by the way, that looks almost identical to this in Frighteners uh, that they go to. And and they play with your perception of what that mother character might be in terms of the mother being a monster in Frighteners. And I think um, fans of Dead Alive would appreciate that more. But
0: yeah, I don't know. So, Josh, I'm just I'm trying to like get down to it here. Is it is it that the film um, grosses you out? Like, do you feel like kind of put off by the grossness of it? I mean, that I would
2: say th- of things that bother me, that's like on the one scale. I I I don't love gross out stuff. I don't mind it. I just am, it's just not my primary interest in horror is using right. gooey gore.
0: <laughs> okay. Oh.
2: But I, I can't appreciate it. Like, I'm going to talk about Slither in a minute. I can really appreciate it if I like the movie that it's wrapped around. And I avidly go after films that have a heart and soul to them beyond just the gore. And I think Dead Alive to me, just the story at the center of it does not compel me in any way. Um, and, and I, and again, it's just actively grading to me. And so uh, the whole, it's not really that it's not that it's too extreme when it comes to the gross out stuff. Although the dinner scene isn't my favorite, I can recognize that it's hilarious as much as I'm looking away when we get to the party scene at the end and the real gore starts I'm having a blast just like any horror fan would because you just, again, you're laughing because you can't believe what you're seeing. It's just insane. And next level, but just all of the stuff leading up to that moment, it's just like, I don't find that funny. I just don't, it does not hit my funny bones.
0: I I get you. So it's really not your brand of comedy is what it comes down to. That's all
2: it really is. Okay. I
0: see. I, I get that. Yeah. There, there are like, that's why I hate bad Milo so much. like, that is totally like not my brand of comedy. Like uh, personally. But you know, we've established already at the beginning of the show that I'm a high horse rider and very yeah. snobby. So like anyway. But no, if I had to say there was something that I didn't love about this that has to do with this movie, it's that uh the poster of the girl with the the little face in her mouth. Like I, I oh, don't man. I don't love the poster really yeah like I, I it's
2: iconic though i, I know oh, yeah, it's it iconic
0: i know it's very famous and everything but it's like um i find that a little off-putting uh to me oh in,
2: it's, it's absolutely
3: off-putting
0: my oh, it's meant to be yeah i mean not but in was, a way where it grosses me out but it's just like it looks like super stupid to me and i kind of oh, really? yeah i kind of not like it but anyways i
2: almost think it's like a if I was going to put a pantheon of iconic horror movie posters, that would definitely be in it for me. (laughs)
0: Yeah. It's definitely one of the most recognizable. I bet you, like you could ask like a hundred people who like horror like if you covered up the title and just showed them that image yeah. they would know they would know what it is like yep, absolutely. Uh, probably 100 out of 100 would know it i bet so
2: it's also that movie like when i worked at the video store the mothers with their children would turn that cover around on the rack when oh. they'd walk
0: by <laughs> you know <laughs> yes cuz like you know it put them out too they're like no yeah right i get you okay so um anyway do you do you have anything else you want to say on this before we go into ratings because I know we still got a lot to cover tonight, so I don't want to yep. belabor no, it. I'm, okay, so good. for me, I'll just, uh, you know, I'm, I, I'll am i tell you the truth, and this is weird, but I think that the, the more I watch this, I've probably seen this like three or four times, not like a million like most people, but yeah, probably like three or four times. And the more I watch this, uh, the more I, I like it and appreciate it. it. It actually gets funnier to me, which is really a rare thing for me with comedies. Because you know how usually, like, you know the jokes and stuff. But it's right. it, It's that whole, like, yeah, like, they, they really went there. They really did that. And, and look how nuts that is. And it's just, it's funny. It just gets funnier and funnier. So, anyway, it's like an 8 out of 10 to me. I think this is a buy. Um, definite buy it. That's what I gave it before. And I'll, I'll stick to that now. And, um, side note, terror Toby gave it a nine called buy it. And midnight Corey gave it a nine and said, buy it. What do you rate it? Wolfman Josh.
2: I mean, I think in terms of gore effects, this is one of the coolest movies of its era. So I, in in that sense, I could give it a 10, but if I'm rating it on the comedy spectrum, I'm going to probably give it a zero. And so the middle marker for that would be a five for me, (laughs) and I think it's a low-priority rental, I would call it. I am a fan of Peter Jackson. (laughs) I like his movies more and more as they go. I think Heavenly Creatures is one of the great films ever made. Um, Frighteners is a fun movie to watch, and I, of course, enjoy. I'm impressed by the Lord of the Rings movies but um, yeah for me this is one I think Gorehounds should definitely check out and people who like wacky comedy would probably enjoy this This is one to just watch because you can't believe what you're seeing. But for me, I'm going to call it a rental. And then if, yeah, if you're a gore hound and you like this brand of comedy, you'll probably end up buying it. And I applaud you for that. But it's just not my thing.
0: So just to clarify one thing, when you said it was a low priority rental, like, so, so if you've, if we've got a young horror fan who's listening to this show and they've never actually caught that, caught up with this yet, um, so you're not you're not calling it necessarily a must-see for them just because of its historical place. You're just saying, if you're into gore, yes. Or if you like wacky comedy, yes. I mean, is it like, you know, because because is there a distinction like on, for you? On,
2: on movie streamcast, I would say cue this. Okay. I wouldn't say skip it. Right. It's one that the people who don't know, you know, haven't seen the film and are major horror buffs should eventually get around to. Okay. Everyone should see it. But for me, it's not a high priority. Like there are a million movies that you should watch before this on my, that would be on my queue, I guess.
0: Uh, I get you. Okay.
2: I'm just not into the comedy. Really? That's all it comes down to. If you like slapstick comedy, screwball, wacky, crazy, all of those things. I know I'm not using those terms, right? Red cap, Jack, don't jump down my throat. I'm just saying if you like crazy, (laughs) wacky comedy, then you'll probably enjoy this, but if you don't, you're going to probably find it as grating as I did.
0: Well, I can I can respect that. I, I hope the oh. listeners aren't too much up in your mix because, yeah, if it's not your brand of comedy, then you know I get that. It's totally.
2: But again, I'm saying the the horror is great, but right. you know yeah. the funny thing about this conversation is comedy is probably the most subjective subgenre of them all.
0: <laughs> yes, you know
2: <laughs> when you look at when I go to look at other people's movie collections. I can look at their horror and like, yep, you know what you're doing. You know what you're talking about. Drama, yes. Historical epics, uh-huh, you got it. You're doing great. And then you look at their comedies and you're just like, really?
0: Really? Like, that, that's <laughs> yeah. the thing.
2: You got
3: that? <laughs> right,
0: right. that is so true. I've actually had that exact experience with, like, in fact, I just did that, like, yesterday in my mind. You know, I'm not a giant jerk. I was at somebody's house and I'm like, no, it was today. Even today, Josh. That's so funny you said that where I was like looking at their movies and I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. No. No. <laughs> yeah,
2: and and when people this is embarrassing, but when people come over and look at my my movie collection cuz I'm pretty proud of it. I put I don't put as much effort into it as Dave does. He's next level. But I would say of like normal earthbound humans, I have like a pretty good movie collection. Yes, you do. And um I, when people look at the comedies, I'm very quick to be like, oh, I, you know, my wife's movies are mixed in here. There's some of my kids' movies. Just beware. I got that for free. <laughs> right, you know, right. Right, Because I don't stand by her comedy taste at all. Oh, right. uh, We won't no, tell her. I'm,
1: I'm, I'm with you. My wife, every now and again, she'll, you know, she'll say, oh, can I put this movie in with yours? I said, what, failure to launch? No.
0: <laughs> right.
1: <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh, that's so funny. Uh that's really funny you mentioned failure to launch. Because that is the movie that I met Cody Clark over. I emailed him after reading his review of Failure to Launch. And so people who know film critic Cody Clark from the comments and stuff, that's a particularly uh sketchy flick, Hundock.
1: Not just not a favorite. Yeah. Right. Just
0: <laughs> not, <laughs> not a favorite. Right. Not horror whatsoever. Um
2: You can hear credit Cody Clark over on movie streamcast regularly. If you want to hear him rip apart movies like failure to launch.
0: <laughs> He's hilarious. <laughs> I love that guy. Okay. Uh, Dr. Shaka, what do you rate brain dead?
1: I would probably come in. Um, I'm going to come in, I think between you and, uh, terror Tovey with an 8.5. Okay. Cool. Um, I think it's one to, I would own it and I would, uh, I would say to pick it up and buy it. Um, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's lawnmowers and kicking ass for the Lord.
0: <laughs> that's awesome. Okay, so that's our review of Dead Alive. Let us know what you think in the show notes for episode 87. Okay, and at this point, let's move into our feature review of Slither.
3: When you marry someone... You promise to love them forever. Baby. No matter how much, ah! they might change.
2: <gasps> Baby, what happened to your face? It's just a
3: beast stink. From Universal Pictures. Three is sick or something. Comes a film so shocking. Ah! Uh, we got a real problem here. So disgusting.
0: Don't let him in your mouth! Oh! It will change the face. Ah! Of horror. Marriage is a sacred bond, for better or worse. Much worse.
2: <laughs> Slither is a 2006 film directed by James Gunn, also written by Gunn, and starring Nathan Fillion, Elizabeth Banks, and Michael Rooker, among others. Um... It's kind of has that feel of a B movie and kind of that schlocky. It's almost like it's going for the schlocky vibe of a brain dead dead alive. But to me, it does it in a much more interesting way. It's very reminiscent of Night of the Creeps. And people will mention that all the time. But basically, this meteorite hits the earth and it inside it is kind of this alien that is a uh, feeds off of other humans it's a parasite and this it spreads like a plague um much like the alien in the in the alien franchise um, it kind of hosts itself within you but in this case it takes over your body and it's i don't know it's got lots of interesting different movie monster elements to it neither of the creeps is of course the uh, most easy parallel. When I saw the trailer for this movie, I thought, "Oh, that movie looks awful. It looks right. so stupid." yes and the creatures look disgusting. But when I actually sat down and watched the movie, because I had heard so many people say, "No, no, no, you don't understand. Like the movie's brilliant." It, it, and I just right. could not for the life of me believe that that was the case. But I sat down and I watched the movie, and I was totally blown away. Um, James Gunn, previous to this, had, of course, worked for Troma and was probably most famous at this point for writing the Scooby-Doo movies, uh, the live-action Scooby-Doo movies. Of course, since then, he's gone on to major fame and fortune uh, doing the Guardians of the Galaxy movie. But at this point in his career, this is the sweet spot for me. I, I like what he's doing so much, and it's so... Uh, good at illuminating what he does best with this really uncomfortable comedy. Um, and I think, which is still delivering scares and insane gross out humor as well.
0: Yes, sir. Uh, well done. I think that was a great yes. description. And um, I'm with you. Like, for people just going to put this out there right now, if people have been closed minded about this film for the same reasons like Josh described, like maybe the trailer you know didn't impress you or whatever this is (laughs) this is one that you you got to take a look at for sure and uh red cap jack also says it well he says james gunn with an alien horror along the same vein as night of the creeps but with a little more body horror thrown in for some gruesome splatter gooey (laughs) gooey (laughs) that's awesome yeah and, and allison allison
1: actually Allison with an eye actually chose this uh, as um, one of her movies as well and she says definitely slither Margaret packs a box lunch I mean come on hilarious
3: <laughs> yeah
2: <laughs> this is uh this is a really fun film and yep. and it is disgusting still I mean we're still dealing in that land that we were with um I, I don't even know what to call it, guys. Brain dead or dead alive? Which are we saying? I guess it doesn't matter now the review is over. Yeah.
1: Dead either. alive is what... I, I, yeah, it really can be either
3: one. Mm-hmm.
2: Anyhow, uh, we're still dealing with that gross out. You're laughing because you can't believe what you're looking at humor here. But I think this film is just a step more grounded for me. And a lot of that has to do with the performances of the actors. I think Elizabeth Banks is really phenomenal in this film. And Michael Rooker, in a really difficult role, um, and, you know, in a ridiculous kind of comedic role, still is, manages to make this his character real. Um, Greg Henry, I like in the movie. Nathan Fillion is good. And the, another movie this kind of reminds me of tonally is Tremors. This is grosser than Tremors.
3: Right. But it, uh-huh. this,
2: to me, is also still in that same vein. And it's, yeah, this kind of sci-fi monster movie with some serious
0: yeah. horror elements but do you would you say it's funnier than tremors though because i wonder what i think,
2: think tremors about. is one of the funniest movies. it's like one of my favorite comedies not right. just one of my favorite horror movies so right um I, tremors is a hard movie to compare anything to and nothing looks good by comparison in my opinion <laughs>
0: <against Tremors. laughs> that's not, i love that yeah so i, I see what you're saying and the thing is, like, there's so many things to really love about this and appreciate. Like, um, and, and first of all, I just want to say, who picked? Who picked this? It was the listeners, right? Who wanted us to do this one? I mean, we tallied. Josh yeah, tallied, we tallied their votes. All
2: of the listener entries, and I'll read those at the end. Sorry, we probably should have said this up front. Um, the listeners had their top ten, and then a few honorable mentions, and within those were a few films we were going to cover at a later date, like return of the living dead and an American werewolf in London. And so we selected, uh, two of our reviews from their top five and then one from their, um, and then another a new release. Sorry that you're going to be covering. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, these, right. these both come from the listener top
0: five. That's right. Yeah. So, um, so I just want to say to the listeners then, um, You got me again. I feel like they did this on purpose. They picked really good examples (laughs) in their top. And so, yes, I I like this one, too. I mean, this I I will have to confess a couple things about this movie, though. Um, I only saw it the one time, actually, and I did not get to revisit it for this review tonight. So shame on me. Kagan was right. I did not get to revisit it, but I have seen it before. And I liked it. Now, the reason I don't actually see these horror comedies a lot is because of my, you know, preference about not loving horror comedies. However, um, this one is one that I think is worth revisiting for sure because of how fun it is. Um, I I remember being struck by that. I, I actually, this came out in 2006, right? So, I know I didn't see it in the theaters, but uh, somehow i got suckered into this because i was like you Where i'm like okay that trailer it's not doing it for me but elizabeth banks i love and who doesn't and then michael rooker right. i mean if we remember michael rooker from like his 1986 role right henry,
1: henry portrait, of, henry, portrait of, yeah. of a serial killer yeah which Port- he was just chilling in that movie <laughs> I, know. Yeah. I know it was incredible
0: yeah and so ever since that film I mean, I knew that that guy was like the real deal. Great he's, actor. He
1: really, he really is. I mean, I, I don't. I think I pretty much enjoyed him. I'm trying to think of like the range of movies I've seen him in. I mean, you've got Henry. You've got this. You know, he was in Eight Men Out. Mm-hmm. I think he was in Mallrats. You know, and he's he,
2: like a main attraction of Mallrats for sure. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah, his
2: character is kind of like a blending of Henry and his character in Mallrats, right, <laughs> Mister Svenson. But
0: his, but his character in like uh, The Walking Dead, for example. Um, oh yeah. I mean that uh-huh. th- to me, th- those are the types of characters that he was born to play. Like just yeah. And and but anyway, I I love him. So you've got a great cast, and then James Gunn, you may have said this. So I'm sorry if I'm you know, repeating things here, but, but James Gunn, he he wrote and directed this of course. And he did like, um, he directed guardians of the galaxy. You know, I mean, this guy has talent. He even wrote the screenplay for, uh, Dawn of the dead, the 2004 version, Zack Snyder,
1: which is is really good.
0: Yes, it is. So, so you've got some real talent in with this film, and even though it seems like, you know, pretty ridiculous as, as horror comedies commonly are, it's it's actually really effective. It's a a fun ride, but um, Doctor Shark, what do you say about Slither?
1: Oh yeah, it's it's fun, and you know what? It, I, I, there's several things I, that I liked about it. Again, it, it it does have that gross out. I did like the the you know the creatures. Um, the yes. way that they, uh, yeah. that they sort of just sort of slithered, uh, along the ground there. <laughs> um, and even, even the little like nods like that, that James Gunn threw in there to, to some other, um, uh, you know, other horror film. Like, I think there's a bar named Hennenlotter, you know, after the guy who directed Basket Case,
3: nice.
1: um, you know, things like that. I, 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 I like that also, but, Really, like, that scene, there's just uh, a scene, I don't want to go too deep into it, where, um, you know, the, you got the, the, the sheriff and his, and his uh, you know, deputies are all sort of uh, staked out there. They're waiting, they're looking for something, and then when you finally see uh, Grant come, like, traipsing out of the woods, um, you're kind of like, what the hell? You know, right. yeah. and then you get that you get that again in in, in a barn um, with another character. It's it's just <laughs> <clears throat> you, you love you love where it goes. I love where it goes. It's it's a fun movie. I really like Nathan Fillion in this, too. You know, I thought he did a good job as well. Um, yeah. So, yeah, yeah, this is this is just a it's a fun movie. And you know what James Gunn has done? Yeah, he did work for Troma. He did Tromeo and Juliet which is actually one of my favorite trauma films as well. But just, and this is not a horror movie, but he did another one that maybe not too many people have seen called The Specials from 2000. And it's almost like a precursor in a way to something like Guardians of the Galaxy in that it's a superhero movie, but it's like no special effects whatsoever. Um, and it's got a good cast. No, it's got Rob Lowe in it. Um, Uh, Oh, God, I I, I can't remember. I I don't have it in front of me, but it's got a really good cast. It's about a group of superheroes who are like the fourth or fifth rated. This is a world where there are superhero teams all over the place. And these guys are like at the bottom rung. They get all of the they get all of the cases that the other four reject. Right. So, and and this following them along and how they're relating to each other and everything and how they just sort of relate to each other in an everyday sort of fashion because they're superheroes, but they're not well-respected superheroes and they're not really making a lot of money being superheroes.
0: Kind of like so mystery men, right? Kind of like mystery men. Along the lines of mystery
1: men, but, but even different than that, even just a little more, uh, I don't know, subdued. Not, you know, it's not, it's not quite as, as, as showy as not not quite as as um you know i guess sort of visually vibrant as as um mystery men this is just these people i mean half the time they spend sitting around a table complaining about their lives but it's just an interesting take on a superhero movie and actually james Gunn plays a role in it and his his brother plays a role in it too nice Uh, it's it's just an interesting movie
2: as long as we're on superheroes, he also did a movie called Super with Rain Wilson that I oh, yeah. I really like that as well. Yeah. And that's mm-hmm. probably the most pared down of all of his superhero. <laughs> so. uh,
0: I'm glad you told me that because I've always wondered if I should watch that one. And I love Rain Wilson. But um,
2: it's it's I don't know if you'd like
0: it. Oh, OK, well. <laughs> all right i'll i'll take that into consideration because you know me pretty well josh i have to say
2: we'll talk about this on another podcast. Well, we'll talk all about super on
0: show. <laughs> okay you got it so um the back to slither though like two of the taglines that i love on this are slug it out which i think is hilarious and what's gotten into you like <laughs> i think that i don't know i love taglines i'm a sucker for those and i think this has right. some decent ones but Anyways, um, guys, I don't remember much else to discuss with this, but do you have anything else before you go into ratings? I mean, I think
2: it's just interesting that both of the films we ended up talking about tonight are kind of gross-out horror comedies, because there is a large spectrum, and I think it just so happened that these are the two that we ended up covering. If you're not into gross-out stuff, this is probably not for you, but... Um, but if you don't mind it a little bit, it's not as crazy as some of the other films like that a lot.
0: Right. That's for sure. Yeah. And I think it is in the, um, I think it's in league. Maybe, maybe not. Yeah, yeah. Maybe not as funny as tremors, but I think it's in league with tremors, uh, which is to say, I think it's a B, mo- a B movie that's done well. Right. And, and that yeah. sounds weird to say that, right? Like, cause B movies are, you know, traditionally not great, but like sometimes they're fun. This is one such example. So to me, um, Slither from 2006, I give it a 7.5 out of 10. And I'd call it a strong rental at least once. That's how many times I've seen it. And I'll be honest, I probably will revisit it at some point. What do you say, Dr. Shock?
3: Uh,
1: I'm going to go with an 8, and I think this is one I would pick it up. I would, I would buy it because I'm with you. I will revisit it at some point as well because it's just a fun movie.
0: Nice. Okay. And uh, Wolfman Josh. I also give this one an eight
2: and I say buy it. It's one that I do own and I've watched several times and just right on the line there for me of finding it a little wacky and gross out but still very enjoyable. Okay. There you, you go. If you like Night of the Creeps or Tremors, oh, yeah. this is right in that wheelhouse. And it's right. playing off of stuff like The Blob and a lot of those classic sci-fi horror
0: movies. sure is. So let us know in the show notes what you think of Slither. All right, guys. Now let's move into um, a short little review here of The Final Girls from 2015. <laughs> bloodbath is the granddaddy of all campsite slasher films max's mom plays nancy this shy girl next door nice legs what time they open it's cool you get to remember your mom this way
3: at least i get to see her on the anniversary of her death even if she is being chased by a psycho
0: okay i am kind of a insecure person (laughs) So I got to say, I got to say right up front, as I confess that I'm insecure, I know that I'm late to the party. So I know that. And I know that you guys have been telling me for months to watch this. And I was a dumb dumb. And I'm like, eh, it's horror comedy. I don't really want to. I was dumb for waiting that long. I'm very sorry I waited that long. I regret waiting so long to see this movie. That was a huge wow. error in judgment. I, I, I was blown away by the final yeah. girls. This movie is phenomenal. And this is coming from a guy right here who wasn't paid to say this and who, um,
3: <laughs> who doesn't like.
0: I mean, I don't, I don't love horror comedies, guys, but this thing is brilliant. And I mean brilliant. I know that's overused, but in this case, it's true. Uh, So thank you. I know that um, Josh and Dave both recommended this to me on several occasions and the listeners even encouraged me to do it. So I want to thank you all as well. I love this film. So I've said all of this big prelude because you guys already know how great it is. I've said all this in hopes that if some listener out there is stubborn like me, and thinks oh, I don't love horror comedies. Then you're making a mistake. You have to rent this because this would have been. I'm going to tell you right now, this would have been not only in my top ten horror. I think for for last year for 2015, it it definitely would have been in my top ten horror. But it would have been in my top ten just of all genres as well.
1: Wow.
0: And, and um. Wow. I I was blown away by it. So so here let let's get into it. I mean the biggest thing that. And Dave has said this on many occasions. See, I don't want to go too long on this because I know we've discussed it a lot on this podcast already. And I just want to kind of back up some things you guys have said. Dave talked about how surprisingly poignant this film is. And I tell you, I'm, I'm serious. It has heart and it really hits you with that heart. I mean, you feel it, especially for somebody like me. Um, because like you know i I relate a lot to this girl in this in this film, I mean, everybody kind of knows the premise, I assume because they 've heard it a lot, but um, I just watched it this morning, and basically what it is is you 've got this gal, her mother was a, a former eighties scream queen, basically she was in a horror movie, and um anyway, she ends up dying, and that 's right in the beginning of the film, and they go to a basically this kind of like revival thing where they're watching the films and celebrating it. And through mysterious events, this girl and her friends get kind of swept up into this movie where they're actually in the film, in the slasher film that her mother was once in. Except it's like, it appears to be real life and it is real life. And um, that's kind of the premise. And if that sounds dumb to you, because it did kind of sound like, well, you know, I've seen... Midnight movie. I mean, I've seen things like this before. This is one of the best done versions of this, I think. And not only like is it one of the best movies within a movie's like period is what I'm saying. So I know I'm just kind of rambling on, but guys, I'm I'm very excited about this if you can't tell. <laughs> but I'll just t- I'll tell you a couple little things. Um, I think this film is like a horror fan's dream, like a dream come true. Like there are so many things in this movie that are like fan realization on the yeah. screen, and I don't yeah. want to re- recite what they are, but it sounds like you guys know what I'm talking about. Like you see things, it's like, oh yes, like that. And then um, this has the best reason a cell phone doesn't work ever in a horror movie. You know how they always gotta like give you a reason why they don't work. I think this is the best reason ever. <laughs> so, <laughs> um. I think it does some really creative things with movie conventions, which I won't spoil anything about that. And it's got that the movie fan and it's got all the character tropes that we're used to. But I especially love the movie fan character who knows about the movies. And man, I just I love this. And you're going to hear me talk about this later when we give a top 10 list, I mean, that's how much I love it. But to me, this is a 9.5 out of 10. This is a must-see rental. This is a buy it right now. And this is a, um, a watch it once a year, at least. So thank you, everybody. Um, I'm dropping the mic walking away nice <laughs> so anyway
2: Well, i'm super glad that you finally got a chance to see that
0: so, yeah
1: definitely uh, and, and that you it liked it as proved much as you right
0: can. yeah <laughs> y- you were right and uh, i i want to say one last thing i i just got to put this out there and it won't spoil anything for people who haven't seen it for people who do you'll know exactly what i'm talking about um the betty davis eyes the use of the song betty davis eyes in this film yes blew my mind. And, and I'm, I'm talking, yeah, t- twice. I mean, my mind was blown. And the other thing I got to say is um, I was never a fan and this is very unfair, but um, Malin Ackerman, right? I did not like yep. that actress. And I'll tell you why. A long time ago, like right at the beginning of my <laughs> film critic career, I think I saw her in this awful movie. What was it? like the heartbreak kid or something where she was this awful. Yeah. That's what it was. The heartbreak kid with Ben Stiller.
2: Oh, that was a bad movie.
0: Yeah. And and she plays like basically the most annoying person on earth and you despise her. And so from that role, (laughs) I just have not liked that actress, but I tell you this movie won me over. I am totally converted. I love her now. I'm a big fan of hers. And as Dave said, and I'm sure Josh said it too in his review. Um, the Farmiga sister is incredible as well as the lead role. Yeah, so absolutely must see. I can't recommend and this that, enough.
1: The, the poignant scene where she she first lays eyes yeah. on the character that was her mother. Yes. I thought you know she just she
0: she didn't, she didn't even do
1: anything that like she just did it so perfectly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know with the with the way the camera was just focusing on her and she handled it so well.
0: Yeah, and there's some some just um, incredible book ending like parallelism in this film that's done, especially mm-hmm. like with with music cues and stuff. And man, I don't want to go into it and spoil, but I just want to say, please see this, please if you haven't already, because man, this is. I mean, it, it's it's all it's. I I can't say it's a masterpiece, but one day I may actually just come out and say that's a masterpiece. I'm gonna have to reflect mm-hmm. on it more. I'm still kind of reeling from seeing it this morning but i got up super early and watched it and i was loving it
2: well thank you for doing your homework yeah in spe-
0: <laughs> yeah at least i did that i did that homework for sure so there you go so kagan take that no um okay so guys are we are we ready for our top 10 horror comedy list is that where we are right now
2: we're there, and I'm going to be reading mine and the listener's top 10, if you Sweet. don't mind while we go through this. Yes, no that problem.
0: sounds great. And we're going to do this in our usual way, which is to say we're going to count backwards from 10 to 1, okay? And we'll give maybe a, just a few words kind of, uh, you know, about why we picked it. And then after we go through our top 10 list, we'll run through some honorable mentions as well. Okay, so um, let's start off with Dr. Shock. What is your... Number 10, all-time favorite horror comedy.
1: Okay, number 10 for me uh, is a little movie called Cemetery Man.
0: Oh, nice. uh,
1: this, this is an Italian um, uh, zombie movie, I guess is the best way to put it, but it stars uh, Rupert Everett. Uh, mm-hmm. And it's about a guy who works at a cemetery, and because of the, the – the, I think it's the roots of a tree or something – Something in the ground causes whatever person is buried there to come back to life. His job is basically to shoot them again when they come back to life and we find that out early on in the movie but then just a lot of other crazy things happen happen throughout it i just like how wild the movie got there's a romance in there and actually martin scorsese i think picked this as one of the best italian films of that decade if not the best italian films of that decade oh wow um but it's it's just a fun uh, a fun uh movie and uh yeah i would definitely recommend it number 10 for me cemetery man
0: I gotta back you on Very that. Cool. It's been a while since I've seen it, but I remember that when we did our uh, the best films of the 80s and 90s, um, mm-hmm. for, I, I believe I had 1994 as one of my years, and I think that was in my top three that I listed, Cemetery Man. Okay. Yeah, I believe I so. I just
2: purchased that one on DVD. Kyle had it on his ZOMCOM list that we're going to be discussing in an upcoming episode, so nice. uh, I, I just barely got that
0: one. Good stuff. Okay, what about you, Wolfman Josh? What is your number 10?
2: Okay, so I will say I had to re-scramble my list after our introduction because I was being exclusive about a lot of films that I considered comedy horror, and I decided I needed to include all of those and have a broader view of the spectrum for this episode. So this is a freshly scrambled list, but I think it's pretty close and pretty good. My number 10 is Return of the Living Dead.
0: Oh, excellent.
2: It's just one of my all-time favorite zombie movies. I think the Return of films, uh, you know, they go into an area of comedy that Romero does not explore in his dead films. But I, I appreciate them still. And the second film is even crazier. I mean, that's a legitimate comedy movie. Return of the Living Dead has the perfect blend for me. Where uh, there are comedic moments and kind of a uh, situationally comedic things, but it's still trying to be a horror movie. Return of the Living Dead Part Two. I don't know. That gets away from it a little bit more. I still like that movie quite a bit as well. But um, mm-hmm. to me, this is the one, and I just like where it goes. It's that tone is so '80s to me. I don't know. This just has that feel that I like in an '80s film. So
0: excellent. Okay, Return so. That's- of the Excellent pick. I back you on that and you'll you'll see you'll see why in a minute. But um my number 10 and then we're going go to go the listeners next. My number 10. Okay, don't roll your eyes everybody cuz my list is good and you're going to think this is just too much of a no brainer for people cuz it's gotten so much attention, but I can't help it. It's genuinely one of my favorites. It's Zombie Land from 2009. I think that this is the kind of movie that I could watch literally once a week, and I wouldn't mind it at all. Because, and, and here's why, the strongest aspect of this film <clears throat> is the thought that goes into living this lifestyle of what, how you would need to live during a zombie apocalypse, especially all of his tips, the, you know, the rules that he has, like cardio, for example. When I first saw this, I'm like, yeah, yeah, you would have to be in shape, or you would be toast right so anyway this has a lot of great moments in it a lot of great characters there's a carnival setting which i love and that's one of my favorite aspects and how everybody's named after cities and man it's just incredible the ragtag clan hanging together fighting zombies it's it's one of my all-time favorite zombie movies too and it's a horror comedy that's my number 10 zombie it's
2: funny all of our ten, 10 so far are going to be part of the zombie comedy episodes. So. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah, exactly.
2: <laughs> and the listener top 10 might get a mention as well. There's is night of the creeps and uh, uh, not strictly a zombie movie again, kind of uh, maybe more closely related to what we talked about in slither. But uh, I really love night of the creeps from the same director as monster squad. And although I prefer monster squad as a film, I think Fred decker uh, makes a great eighties horror comedy entry here, and it's just a tragedy that this guy hasn't been able to continue making films because he was making some great stuff for the time.
0: oh yeah, great Now I see why they loved um you know Slither so much, so <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> Great. All right, Dave, what is your number nine horror comedy?
1: All right, my number nine, this one might come as maybe a bit of a surprise that I have it up uh, as, as high as I do. But I just have such a fun time watching this movie, and it is Cockneys vs. Zombies.
0: Oh, wow.
1: Wow. It's from 2012.
0: <laughs> I had no See, idea that was I, a good movie. I,
1: I am a big fan of Guy Ritchie's early uh, sort of British crime films, you know, Lock, Stock and Two Smoking Barrels and Snatch. Um, and this feels like if Guy Ritchie at that era, Guy Ritchie were to do a horror comedy. That's what this movie feels like to me as I watch it. Hmm. And, uh, it even has Alan Ford in it. He played Bricktop and Snatch. And I know that, um, he had a small role in, um, Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels. But he's in this movie. And, and it just has some... It's, it's a clever film. It's, it's about these guys that are pulling off a heist. and Probably one of my favorite scenes. I don't want to go too into it. I don't want to get into it. But there's one moment that I can get into where there's also um, uh, an old person's home involved. You know, like a home for the aged yes. involved. And um, there's a scene where... And these are the slow zombies. Where a zombie is coming after a gentleman who's walking with a walker. And it's probably one of the slowest chase scenes you're ever going to see. But yet there's still attention to it, you know, uh, and, and it just has that sharp British humor that I really admire. Um, so, yeah, number nine for me is Cockneys vs. Zombies. Yet another one that we could discuss in the, in the Zomcom episode.
0: I have never even seen that because I always just dismissed it because I thought the title was kind of like... Dumb sounding, but man, uh-huh. you've opened my mind to this now. It's,
3: yeah, it's
1: like, and if you like, I, I really think if you like Guy Ritchie from, from the early Guy Ritchie, mm-hmm. um, then I think that this is a movie that will appeal to you.
0: <laughs> That's awesome. And now, now I see the director is Matthias, uh, is it Hone or something like that? And, um, mm-hmm. he is not, he's not the Mas- Matthias I was thinking of. So never mind. That's a moot okay. point. Okay. Wolfman <laughs> Josh, what is your number nine? My number
2: nine is An American Werewolf in London. It's one of my all-time favorite werewolf films. Uh, but actually, the comedy here is the reason it's so low on my list. Because again, this style of comedy is not my favorite. I There are some comedic moments that work really well for me. Uh, like Naked American and The Park Stole My Balloon. That's stuff I like, but um, I don't know. The stuff with his buddy haunting him, that doesn't really work for me. It's just a little too slapstick, a little too silly for me. I agree. I, I like the movie a lot, though, and so it's just funny. It's on my comedy horror list, but the comedy is actually the element that's pushing it down lower on the list. <laughs> Well, that, but
0: that's like my number nine. That film will always be legendary and classic in the sense that that transformation scene is just unparalleled. Really? Yeah. I mean, it's,
2: it's great throughout, honestly. Like, there are awesome yeah. moments through the entire film. And the final scene with the werewolf, I won't spoil here, but I think it's one of the cooler werewolf scenes in a movie. So, uh-huh.
0: mm-hmm. I'm with you. It's a good number nine. Okay. And my number nine has already been mentioned, so I'm, I'm sorry for the reruns already, but that's uh The Return of the Living Dead. And I, you know, the more that I've learned from, like, Kyle, for example, Kyle Bishop, our zombie expert co-host, the, the more that my eyes have been kind of opened up to the fact that this, maybe this film right here. The Return of the Living Dead 1985 isn't as trailblazing as I thought it once was, you know, because the more that I learned about zombie films and zombie cinema, then the more that I realized that things were done before. But I just, for for many years, I was kind of attributing this film as kind of a trailblazer in many ways. And so it's always been high on my list for that reason, because I think it does do a lot of cool stuff. Plus the director, Dan O'Bannon, of alien fame, right? Um, yep. Yeah, you can't go wrong there. So anyway, that's my uh, number nine. Okay. Wolfman well, Josh, what do the listeners say is their number nine?
2: The listeners' number nine is The Burbs. And oh, that is a enemy. film, yeah, with Tom Hanks uh, in the lead role, Rick Dukeman, and uh, just an excellent cast. Uh, Carrie Fisher, when she still looked like Carrie Fisher. <laughs> um <laughs> And that was cold
0: hearted right there when you said that.
2: <laughs> I mean, I don't mean to be offensive. I I think, you know, there's something to be said for growing old gracefully. And I really liked the way her face looked when it was her real face and before it got <laughs> stretched out so much. Uh, Bruce Dern, <laughs> who I think is one of the great actors of yes. all time. Yes. I'll it, agree with that. There's such a memorable role here. And Corey Feldman, who I, you know, I don't think is necessarily the best actor, but of course is a major part of '80s cinema and some movies that are some of my all time favorite movies. I actually really like his performance in this movie. I think it's perfect for the role he's playing and yeah, they, a group of people um, think that some nefarious strangers have moved in, in their small suburban cul-de-sac And they think that these newcomers may have murdered another of their neighbors, and they set upon investigating them. And what in a movie that I think does actually have some real scares and thrills in it, um, but is mainly just super hilarious. The scariest scene in the movie, like traditionally scary, um, is actually a dream sequence. But it's still pretty disturbing. I mean, as a kid, I would always fast forward it because it freaked me out.
0: Right. So, um,
2: yeah, I I really enjoy The Burbs. It's one of my all-time favorite movies.
0: I know you talk about this so much. And since it's on the listeners list, I need to revisit that. I've only seen it probably the one time. And I don't remember it really well. But it seems like you love this film.
2: Tom Hanks' performance. This is probably my favorite Tom Hanks performance.
0: Wow. It's the
2: same type of Tom Hanks that's in movies like Big, but he's just at that age between when he was his younger comedic self and his adult serious self, and he is just hitting both notes perfectly in this film for me. Excellent. It's also a Joe Dante film and you know I love my Joe Dante. Yes. You As a do. director, he gets horror comedy that blend Better than most, in my opinion. <laughs> and Bruce Dern, this is just a standout film for all involved. Rick Dokuman this is his most memorable role. Uh, Corey Feldman, this is one of his best acting jobs. Carrie Fisher, this is probably her best thing she did outside of Star Wars. And so it's uh, it's definitely one to check out. Okay. Oh.
0: That's, that's Also
2: shot at Universal Studios, so you can go and tour the street where this film was shot. I believe nice. it was later the Desperate Housewives Street, if I'm not mistaken.
0: Although I've never seen that show, so very cool. Okay. Good disclaimer there, Josh. <laughs> okay, Dave, uh what is your number eight?
1: My number eight has already been mentioned. It is an American werewolf in London. Um I like this movie for, you know, several reasons. One, yeah, the transformation scene is Amazing, um, but there's a scene early on where they're walking, you know, through just the outdoors in the night, and you just hear something. That's actually a pretty terrifying scene, um, you know. You know, for what they're going through, and and what 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 you find out actually happens. I didn't dislike the scenes with the friend after, you know, when he came back to visit, but I'm not. I, I didn't. It wasn't so much the humor that I liked as it was sort of the makeup effects of him just slowly decaying.
0: <laughs> right.
1: Um, and I know another sort of theme, scene that I know was played for last, but I thought that could be pretty strong is when um, the, the friend brings back uh, the victims and they're all just sort of sitting there, mm. you know, and, and it gives the, uh, it gives the lead character a, a chance to sort of to get a glimpse at what's going on. And, and you know, what, what he's been responsible for. So I think one of the, I put up as one of the great, all, you know, werewolf movies And, you know, uh, I agree with Josh also with the wolf at the end. You know, I think it's probably one of my favorite, if not my favorite, uh, depictions of a wolf. And you see him at the end there. So, yeah, that's my number eight.
0: Nice. Okay, good pick. And Josh, what is your number eight? My
2: number eight is a film that you do not like, Jay, but I (laughs) talked about it on our Christmas horror episode uh last year, not this previous christmas, but the christmas before it's joe dante 's gremlins uh-huh. and i it's one of I my like favorite it. monster movies <laughs> i love i love gremlins uh-huh. i think it's fun i think it's scary it's funny, and it was a again a, just a major touchstone in my childhood so i cool. yeah and i got to interview uh the voice of Gizmo recently so i i totally geeked out on him about gremlins and he didn't really have much to say about it frankly
0: oh really oh, wow. <laughs> did he do any gizmo noises for you he did actually oh that's nice. excellent <laughs> that's funny and just to just to make clear to everybody it's not that i don't like gremlins because i do like gremlins i just i'm not into it as a horror film per se but it's in my honorable well, mentions for this
1: i'll tell you what it's in my honorable mentions too but for me, when I saw it, when I was younger, it hit me more as a horror film than it did um, uh, for the comedy. And it was probably because I, I really liked that little town. <laughs> I liked the people in it. And these gremlins were just going in and, and, and you know taking people out. And it was just kind of and at a Christmas time, no less. Right, you know, so it it, it it did kind of resonate with me, and of course, I, I know, I think we've you know we've discussed it before. Um, another scene that always stays with me, and it doesn't even have to do with the Gremlins, is, is Phoebe Kate's that story she tells about her father and why she doesn't like Christmas.
0: Yeah, the satellite story. The satellite story. <laughs> yes. Yeah, it's incredible. Yes. Yeah, it's it's one of the greatest, actually. But I'm with you, and Gremlins is, admittedly, it is built like a horror film. There's no doubt. Mm-hmm. So. Okay, I, it's a good pick. All right, my number eight is one that I've already raved about tonight like a maniac, but uh, The Final Girls, it had to go in my top ten list. I was that impressed. I know it's fresh, but I'm telling you, it'll still be there. So just one more plea. I've already talked about it. If people haven't seen this, trust Wolfman Josh, Dr. Shock, Jay the Dead, and the listeners. You've got to see The Final Girls. Yep. Okay, What's the uh, listeners' number eight? Their number eight is Tremors, which I agree with wholeheartedly.
2: Absolutely. Um, this is another big monster movie set in a small town. This one's out in the desert. And these monsters who react to seismic vibrations uh, sm- start attacking a small community that is cut off from civilization and it's super scary i remember seeing this the first time and being afraid to walk across the lawn from the car to my house after seeing the movie <laughs> and <laughs> and it's just a really fun movie it's just a it's just a blast and it's both funny and scary
0: yes it is a beastly freaks flick and it's a siege narrative and and like i don't know if you guys did this when you were little kids but Didn't you always pretend that the carpet was lava and you had to run around and jump from furniture to furniture and not get, you know, touch the ground? Well, this has that very same thing in the movie. So when I first saw this, uh, like, my little boy heart was just, like, set aflame because I'm like, yes, I could do this. I could survive against these these creatures. Anyway, I love Uh,
2: them. The actor who plays Melvin... (laughs) the bratty preteen is a friend of a friend. So if we ever do the Tremors franchise on the show, I'll I'll get him on the show and uh, he can tell us all about the behind the scenes of this movie and be fun.
0: I would love it. Let's, let's do that. Okay. So that's the listeners. Number eight Tremors. Great pick. And uh, Dave, what's your number seven?
1: My number seven is from 2002 by uh, directed by Don Coscarelli. Uh, it is Bubba Hotep.
0: <laughs> Very good. Okay. Tell him yeah, that this, premise, this is, Dave. That's a priceless this premise. Is a,
1: it's, a great, it's a great premise. You have um, Elvis, uh, the king of rock and roll. There have been, been rumors going around for a wa- uh, while, but it turns out he is not dead. What happened was um, the person who died, everyone thought, was Elvis, uh, was actually an Elvis impersonator that Elvis had changed uh, places with. Uh, and the Elvis impersonator had a drug problem. and He is actually the one who died in Graceland. But this is Elvis as an older man living in a, how does he put it? I'm trying to find the line here. And it's Bruce Campbell playing Elvis, by the way. I'll, I'll throw that out there. Okay, how could I have gone from the king of rock and roll to this? Uh, this is Elvis talking. An old guy in a rest home in East Texas with a growth on his pecker. Right. <laughs> That and that's what and what happens is okay. So you have you have Elvis living in this um, in this rest home, and nobody believes he's Elvis. They just think he's a loony old man. But it turns out he really is Elvis. Anyway, what happens is um, uh, a mummy, a three thousand year old mummy, wearing a cowboy hat, uh, turns up. Um, you know, we we see what happens, uh, and he. And he is eating the souls of the uh, other, um, I guess, residents of this uh, old person's home.
0: It sounds like you're um, making this premise up as you go along. That's, like that's, that's,
1: that's,
0: that's the that real premise, aided, people.
1: That is the real premise. And he is aided. What happens is um, he finds out what's going on. He decides to take on the mummy. And he is aided by former President John F. Kennedy who is now an elderly black man in a wheelchair played
0: by Ossie Davis. As one would expect. Yes. (laughs) Exactly. Yes.
1: Um, This is just, it's just, and part of it is, you know, the premise part of it is I did like the whole idea of and how they set up how Elvis was actually alive. But then there are some moments in this movie, like when he's in the hallway and you see what happens to these, uh, these older people that this mummy takes where you're kind of like, Oh, this is sort of creepy. Um, you know, and again, it's Don Coscarelli. You know, he had done Phantasm, he had done the the, the the Phantasm movies. Um, and I know that they've been talking about doing a sequel to this at some point. I, I think it was Baba Nosferatu, I think is what they were going for, or something like that.
3: Hmm.
1: Uh, which I, wow. which I, I, I don't know if I, you know, I, I, I don't know. I'd be kind of interested to see, uh, see what happens. Um, but for me, this, this, you know, the premise does go a long way with this movie, but. It does have some creepy moments in it as well. And I mean, you got to see the showdown between between uh, the the old Elvis and uh, and Bubba Hotep.
0: I remember discovering this film in about um, the year 2004, like two years after it came out. And I rem- I heard the premise, Dave. It was one of those things where I'm like, oh, my goodness, I have got to see this movie. I couldn't right. see it fast enough. I couldn't get my hands on it fast enough. Um, I do like it. I appreciate it. Ultimately, I was a little bit uh, disappointed in the execution. I've never been able to put my finger on what aspects I don't love, but maybe one day we could like review it in depth and I could like really kind of like unpack it a little bit, but well,
1: I I can see us doing a a mummy episode at some point. Oh yeah. You know, we can, we can throw there's not, and I'm not just talking about the classic universal. There's been a ton of mummy uh, movies out there. So
0: yeah. Do you like it? Wolfman?
2: I do like it. My story with this movie is I was working at a video store at the time that this came out. And, you know, we would get our big releases every week. And there would be, um, you know, 25 of them. And then we'd get all these small releases and there'd just be one. And so the week before they came out, we were allowed to rent them, but they had to be back before. The release date. So it was cool because we got to see all the movies before they came out and we could talk about them. And there was just this weird movie called Bubba Hotep that I looked at the cover and I'm just like, nah, I don't know what this is. I'm not watching it. And I I remember putting it out on the shelf the day it came out. And then the phone just started ringing as soon as the store opened. Do you guys have, do you guys carry Bubba Hotep? Do you have Bubba Hotep in? Did you guys get it today? And we're like, what is happening? Why are all these people calling? And so I just said, I just said no we don't we didn't get it and then I went and grabbed it and took it home and
0: walked. <laughs> oh dirty you were the guy. You were the reason I couldn't get my hands on it that fast. <laughs> Oh, that's hilarious. So when you did watch it, did were you pleased? I,
2: I'm a fan. I'm a fan. I mean, I know, like, I've got friends who are fanatic about this film. Metroid and Station from the Sci-Fi podcast. Of course. I think they mentioned that in our Phantasm coverage. This is one of their all-time favorite movies. <laughs> uh, it's not that for me, but I do enjoy it. And I would, I'd be down for Bubba Nosferatu. That sounds like fun. Yeah,
0: Heck yeah. Absolutely.
2: That's I'm great. a Bruce, Bruce Campbell supporter. but pretty, pretty much anything he does, I'm
3: right. down. All,
0: All right. right. There you go. Good pick. Dave, and uh, what about you, Wolfman? What's your number seven?
2: My number seven, I just slipped this in here during the episode, but I agreed with you. I think the final girls will stand the test of time for me. And I think the emotional center of this film uh, elevates it above a lot of other films. That This feels like it might be at first. It It feels like it might be similar to a lot of things that have come before it at, you know, about the 15 minute mark. But by the end of the film, when I'm actually crying when I'm watching it. Me too. I just can't believe what I'm watching. And and uh, I don't know. I think this for me is a movie that's going to last. I may be wrong, but right now it's my number seven.
0: We must sound so bizarre, but like, I, it's true. I cried a couple different times during this movie and people were like, what is this? A, a drama? Like a an after school special, like lifetime, you know, Kleenex movie. And it's like, no, like the heart is there. I mean, you really are invested in um, one. So people might get mad at this, but I, I've been heaping praise. But Josh, is this not true? Um, The reason I took off half a point <laughs> is I, I just wish it had a little more horror to it, a little more slasher, a little more scare to it. I I think the dramatic things are right on the money. I just wish they would have been able to, um, and this is my only gripe, really. I just wish they would have been able to invest that same amount of power in the horror side of the fence.
2: Yeah, I mean, I talked about this last time, uh, one of the several times we've covered this movie on the podcast. (laughs) I talked about how I listened to the two commentaries, and it struck me how interesting it was listening to the director commentary versus the writer commentary. Because the writers seemed like really smart guys and big horror fans, and they had written this as an R-rated slasher. They wrote it as a hard R and the director was asked to make it into a PG-13 film, he was more focused on the visuals. And I think although he did a really excellent job um, with some of the visuals in this film, I mean, it's really striking for a low-budget movie, he gets a lot out of it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Despite that, I think he isn't as interested in the horror aspects as the writers were. Luckily, I think the writers have so much in there that it carries... The horror moments, you know, even when Uh the direction isn't necessarily putting a fine point on it, I look forward to the sequel that they're already talking about and the writers may direct it themselves. And I think that has an opportunity to really deliver even more on this premise that I love so much. So
0: Great. That sounds like good news to me. Okay. You know I back you on that. All right. So my number seven... Is one that I am very fond of. I hope many other people are fond of it too. I believe they are. And um, honestly, the sequel could have just as much been in my list. But since this was the primary film, the original, I'm going for Dead Snow from 2009. Um, nice. I love this movie. It's a good one. Ski vacation turns horrific for a group of medical students as they find themselves confronted by. An unimaginable menace, Nazi zombies. And of course, I love the fact that you have like two of the most despised type of enemies, like Nazis, you know, like people feel a lot of hatred toward the Nazis. So they could see killing Nazis or they could see killing zombies. And what's better than Nazi zombies? So that combination's kind of interesting. And then the other thing is that this this horror film takes place in the snow, Like, it's one of those few films, horror films that's in the snow and there's a lot of blood. And um, I love that this film has um, so many, like, it has a lot of, like, you know, references, like callbacks, homages, even to Braindead, for example. It's got Mm -hmm. a film expert in it.
1: And it it has one of the most, the single most uncomfortable sex scenes that but, you're ever going to find in a movie taking place in an outhouse.
0: That that's true, and I was just about to say that, but I didn't even know how to approach that topic. But it, it's it, it, pretty it, unforgettable. It's yeah. it's one that's like, okay, this is definitely, um, you know, capitalizing on fanboy or fan, <laughs> fantasy, you know, like mm-hmm. the, like a geek fantasy or something like that. But it's incredible. Anyway, and there's a lot of humor in this. There's a lot of subtle humor even in this film um, that you you can catch. Um, I think this this movie is tremendous. This is something I I try to gauge. I try to tell people how much I could watch a certain film, like how often. And I could honestly, even though this is pretty full-blown horror comedy, right? I could do this once a month. And, and be happy so i love that snow and i'll just tell you right now um the the sequel i love it almost as much even though it's a little bit different flavor but it could have just as easily been in my list so if you haven't seen either of those they're must-sees
1: i have these on my longer list um and i actually put them both together i kind of cheated i put them both together because <laughs> yes. i'm with you jay i think i like i like the second one just as much as the first
0: yeah josh
2: and I was just going to say, I was going to compare them, and I have done this in the past, to Crank and Crank 2. Right. Uh, the tones are different, <laughs> but to brilliant. me, Dead Snow 2 is just cranked up to crazy. It's just insane. and oh um,
0: That's right on the money. That's exactly yeah. right. I Wow, you nailed that. Was that yours? Oh. Did you come up with that? As far as I know, yeah. Because that yeah. is exactly right, everybody. Yes, yes. I back you on that. (laughs) Okay. What's the listener number seven? Pray tell.
2: Listener number seven is, you know, one of Jay's all time favorite, most classic films, Ghostbusters. And uh, (laughs) I am absolutely with you and the listeners on this one, Jay.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh boy. I'm telling you, when you guys revisit that this year, <laughs> no, it's good
1: I've seen, I've seen it 20 times
0: <laughs> It's good It's a good movie It's good Okay, okay. great, good pick, listeners <laughs> I sent
1: some nostalgia there, Jack Oh, uh, yes, yeah, nostalgia goggles
0: <laughs> that's, what, that's what it is Okay, Dave, what's your number six?
1: Alright, my number six uh, has already been mentioned And it is Return of the Living Dead
0: Ooh, um, three not, of us. not
1: a lot yep, Not a lot to add on that one You guys have touched on it, did a good job with it um, but, you know, uh, I think what I really, uh, well, there's a lot of things I like about this film, but I, I just love that opening, um, when things just start going crazy. And, um, yeah, I know the one, uh, the one actor, I can't remember his name that was sort of over the top, but, um, it's just so much fun when, when these things start coming to live and, and, and you see these guys reacting to it and then they call the boss up and he has to come in and they've got to handle the situation. It's just, It's just a a good movie. um, It is funny, uh, and I think it gets the zombies right, just like uh, some of the other movies we've been discussing. So, yeah, that's my number six.
0: Great one. Okay, Wolfman, Josh, what's your number six?
2: My number six is yet another zombie comedy. It is Shaun of the Dead, and this is my favorite zombie comedy spoiler for that episode, but I just think this movie does everything right. It was my introduction to... All of these, this crew of Simon Pegg, Nick Frost, and Edgar Wright, who as a trio have created some of my most enjoyable cinematic experiences in the last several years. So uh, I just love this movie. It's a classic. And um, yeah, I, this one has stood the, test, stood the test of time for me.
0: Uh, and I back you 100%. In fact... My number six is Shaun of the Dead. (laughs) I totally agree 100% with you. And In fact, this would be on the, I could view it weekly. Um, You know, I I don't revisit that often Mm -hmm. just because, you know, I'm not into comedy as I've said a million times. But the thing is, I could watch it weekly because it's got it. It's got it where it needs it. You know what I mean? I think it works. It totally works. Like, This is one of the few... See, anytime I think of like... If somebody asks me about an effective horror comedy, this is the number one film. It's not number one on my list, but it's the number one that I think of as like the most immediate best example of an effective blend of both. It's both creepy and funny. So, I I back you 100%. of the Dead. I know everybody's seen this. Everybody loves this, I presume. 2004, it's a must. Okay, that's my number six. And what did the listeners say for their number six?
2: At number six, the listeners have Cabin in the Woods.
0: Nice. I'm very impressed to hear that they've selected this.
2: Yeah, and I, and I like Cabin in the Woods. I've been on record, I think, as being down on films like Cabin in the Woods and zombie land and it's not that i don't like those movies i actually really like both those movies i just am always comparing them to films that i think do what they do a little bit better and so that's been my struggle with cabin in the woods to me this film is a little bit too kitchen sink and for me because we know the source of the danger in the film from very early on, it's hard to take the threat seriously. And so I don't feel the peril for our main characters. Most of the film now, of course that changes when we go, you know, later on in the film, but then it just feels a little bit too silly for me. There's giant snakes and unicorns and mermen. And I, you know, I, I like the movie. I know I'm saying the negative stuff. Don't get me wrong. I love it. (laughs) I own it. Okay, I bought it, Mm -hmm. guys. But it's just, uh, I don't love it as much as everybody else, it seems. And that's kind of how I felt about Zombieland. I really like it. I bought it. I just, it doesn't quite hit me the way it hits other people.
0: But I gotta ask, so you said something really interesting. You said that even though, and I know exactly what you meant when you said it, because we're trying to be careful with spoilers, obviously. But you said even though you know Um, About the source of the danger that kind of took away some of the teeth, so to speak, of the danger. But um, for me, despite knowing the source, the danger is still deadly. And I mean fatal deadly.
2: Uh Yeah, but we don't know. It doesn't feel like that, I guess, at that portion of the film. And we don't know how deadly it can be until later on. And so... It feels like a big joke. It feels like a game. It feels like uh, non-serious. And, the, and so it just doesn't feel like a legitimate threat to me during that portion of the film. Despite knowing where it goes later, just, you know, that portion of the film just doesn't really connect for me on a horror level. Again, it's a very enjoyable film to watch. I just am never scared during it.
0: Yeah. Now, this one is in my honorable mentions, so I'll just chime in now since we're not going to, like, talk a ton about honorable mentions Um, just a couple things on this one. I personally, one of the things that bothered me the most in, in the horror community, not everybody did this, but when this came out, we heard people at Horror Palace say they, I mean, they felt like it was like an attack on horror or like a critique, like it was disrespecting horror. And I've always felt like it was a celebration of horror. And I still stand by that. That's one of my, I like to beat that drum and fly that flag because I want people to know out there if if any listeners are hearing this and you don't believe us that this celebrates horror rather than disparages it, please let us know and we could prepare an in-depth review and try to illustrate why that is. Now, uh, my... Dis- mean, go ahead. I go. mean, I I agree with both points of view.
2: I don't think it disparages it, but I do think it is a critique and a satire um, And I think it is saying some of these horror tropes have run dry and we need to come up with new ways to scare an audience and be more creative. I mean, I think those things are all in there. I, I think it does both and I'm not, and, and I think we should maybe do a postmodern horror episode because there are so many interesting examples of it that we've talked about tonight. But mm-hmm. um, I don't think because of film, is critical, just like just like fans of something. Just because we have criticisms doesn't mean we don't like it, you know.
0: Yeah, well, and that doesn't, doesn't mean we don't love it. In fact, and I could see, I could see where you were coming from, and I I think you could definitely make that argument about this film. I just believe, like, just from seeing it, I guess, and maybe we have to revisit this and investigate it. I believe that there was nothing but love from the filmmakers like Josh Whedon and Drew Goddard. And in fact, my, my only disappointment with this for me personally was there was so much hype or buildup, you know, coming from these guys. I mean, these are the Cloverfield guys and I loved Cloverfield. And um, hearing interviews with Drew Goddard and stuff, I'm very impressed with him. And we all know Josh Whedon is extremely intelligent, great writer. And so, just seeing what they were gonna come up with, I mean, the the title of this sucker is "The Cabin in the Woods." And I'm like, oh, that is exactly what I've been waiting for from these guys. And then when it turned out to be something that was atypical for horror, you know, when it turned out to be what it is, I think a lot of people were kind of heartbroken by that. I was a little disappointed. However, you know, because it wasn't this punch in the face, hardcore horror film that I was expecting, like a brilliant horror film, but I was still um, thankful that they did this very smart approach to it. And it's interesting.
2: Yeah. I mean, I think actually the Lovecraft episode we did and just learning more about Lovecraft in the week since I've kind of dived into his stories and stuff. That's actually given me a greater appreciation of this film too, because it deals with this idea of, you know, the ancient gods actually uh, not only being this great metaphor that I think they are in the film, but also tying back into the roots of modern horror as well. So I don't know. I That made me appreciate it more. Juan has a comment here. I was going to read cause I thought this was going to be one of our feature reviews at some point. And so I pulled it and I thought maybe I could read it now because it is kind of directed at me. It says okay. it grinds my gears a little whenever I hear Josh saying he doesn't think cabin in the woods was that great. I thought it was excellent and much more clever than the final girls. I do think that the final girls has a very interesting aesthetic that stands out more than anything else. Cabin in the woods has to offer. I'll also say that the emotional aspect of the final girls is something that I wish Cabin in the woods had in the end though. I think The Cabin in the Woods does so much for the horror genre, in particular the slasher genre. It gives meaning to all of the senseless violence and nudity of those movies, and it does it in an ingenious postmodern style that we haven't seen since Scream, or that we hadn't seen before Scream and haven't seen since. So I thought that was a nice comment
3: from
0: Juan. Interesting Although, that Juan mentioned yeah. Scream in there, Dino. No, I'm just <laughs> kidding. Like So, Josh, <laughs> real, qu- real quick, though... Um. I want to agree with one thing. He said, I mean, I do think that this is, The Cabin in the Woods is more ambitious than The Final Girls, although, and so, you got to give it credit for being ambitious, but I do think that overall execution, I think The Final Girls was pulled off better, although I'm not dissing The Cabin in the Woods because I I really appreciate that too.
2: Yeah, and again, for me, it's the level of peril in the film. I feel like, if I'm looking at those three films, Scream has the most immediate, intense, visceral impact on me. The Final Girls has a big step of remove. And for me, The Cabin of the Ones has the biggest step of remove. I'm just kind of – I'm thinking about the film in a really interesting kind of academic way, but I'm not in it quite as much.
0: I get you. Okay, excellent. Sorry,
2: listeners. I'm not trying to disparage your pick. I think it's a great no. pick. <laughs>
0: No, I actually love when we we wrestle with one of the picks like that. I I know that seems like, you know, kind of jerky when we pick on each other's choices, but I think it's I think it makes for good discussion. Okay, Dave, what's your number five? So we can pick on you. No, <laughs> just kidding.
3: Okay.
1: <laughs> well, my number five is, is actually a classic and it's a movie that I have come to um <laughs> Uh really respect and I think you're gonna be a little surprised with it. It is the Ghostbreakers from
0: 1940.
1: Oh wow. um <laughs> Yeah, not the one you thought I was going
0: for. I, know, I thought you um, were setting me up right there.
1: No, no, this is not the one I was going for. This is um it's got Bob Hope. He plays a character called Larry Lawrence. Um, and there's a great line in there where he, he's he's talking and you know I think he's talking to uh, Paulette Paulette Goddard and Paulette Goddard Goddard I can't remember what, I, I I don't know how to pronounce her last name but you know anyway um, they're talking about um, what, you know his name is Larry Lawrence he goes really your name is, is basically Lawrence Lawrence and Bob Hope goes yeah my middle name's Lawrence too my parents weren't very imaginative <laughs> um, right but it's it's Bob Hope's humor but there's several things about this movie that I really liked one Bob Hope does not play you know how you were talking Josh about with Abin Costello um, uh, yeah. which by the way is number 11 for me Abin Costello me Frankenstein. I'm just going to give a little bit of a spoiler there
0: for shame um, I'm disappointed yeah. in you sir <laughs>
1: But, I mean, I love it. I absolutely love Evan Costello. I, mean, for I know, fun. I know. But, you know, you were talking about how, you know, uh, uh, Costello's sort of like, oh, the, you know, the, the the sort of cowardly type of, of um, uh, cowardly character. Cowardly lion. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Well, and, and then Bob Hobbit made a, a horror movie um, a year before this called Cat in the Canary, which is also considered a classic, where he plays that type of character. In this movie, he's... Heroic. He is rushing into these situations to save people. He is not afraid. He is like uh, this is a very different sort of Bob Hope character, even than he had done in the road movies with with um, you know with Ben Crosby. This is this is Bob Hope um, just playing against type in a way. He's still funny. He still has the one liners, but he's not playing the sort of oh boy, I'm afraid of what's going on around here. Um, and I liked that. I thought that was interesting because that's not what you usually see with Bob Hope. Another thing about the movie is the, the how it uh, handles the horror elements. They end up in this, in this old house at one point and it is a creepy old house and you see ghosts and the way that the ghosts look um, for a movie from 1940, it works but what really gets you is there is a zombie in this movie played by Noble Johnson and it is a Creepy, creepy-looking zombie, Wow. and it follows them. So there's there's quite a bit going on in this movie. I've just I've learned to appreciate it even a little bit more. Um, I don't know if uh, you know six months ago this would have made my top ten, but now it it definitely does at 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 number five. It also has a um, a young Anthony Quinn in it. Uh, he plays he plays a part in this as well, which uh, which I thought was kind of interesting, but. Yeah, this is one I don't think many people will, will have checked out. Um, but do it if you get a chance. It's, yeah, The Ghost Breakers.
2: As soon as you started talking about this, I was like already looking up how I could buy it because you just instantly captured my imagination with your description oh, of
3: it. That's right. Um, it's
2: awesome. So I'm looking online. <laughs> there are two versions of the DVD. There's a $10 version of The Ghost Breakers. There's also a collection that has six films um, that's flip. that's
1: the one I own that's the Bob Hope collection Now, that one you,
2: okay. yeah, now you, is you that also, worth waiting for the, the Cat and the Canary?
1: it is because you'll get the Cat and the Canary with it too the Cat and the Canary is also a very good um, uh, horror comedy okay. um, with Bob Hope playing a little bit more like to the same type of character he plays normally uh, but you know it's for me. The Ghost Breakers makes it worthwhile, but there, plus there are other. You know, you got the pale face. You got other sort of classic Bob Hope movies on in that collection. So it is worth picking up. Yes, and it's eighteen dollars. You can't yeah. go wrong for six movies, especially with the quality that that some of them are.
2: I, I'm a big fan of Bob mm-hmm. Hope. Actually, I haven't watched mm-hmm. any of his films since I was a kid, but uh, till you get a chance to watch two horror comedies, yeah, I'd pick that yeah, up. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Um, your list, Dave, is impressing me tonight. I'm. I, I like the variety, like you're kind of surprising me a lot, so in uh, The Ghost Breakers, everybody from 1940, um, it has, I have to say, probably the least scary horror cover I've ever seen on a poster. Oh yeah, like the, the
1: posters, <laughs> the posters, definitely leaned more towards comedy than it did to the horror
0: and the poster, <laughs> no doubt about it. Right.
2: I like the poster, that ghost is kind of funny.
0: Yeah, well, it's it's just cool. It, it's neat because it you can tell it's kind of old school, and um, yep. I, I actually I really want to see this, so it's, it, it's I have worth, to borrow it from Josh it. when he buys it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay, cool. So, uh, Josh, what is your number five? My number five is Tremors.
2: It's one of my all time favorite movies. At this point, my top five. I'm going to be honest; they're somewhat interchangeable. The rankings <clears throat> still matter but I'm now talking about some of my favorite movies ever made in my top five. So this is toward the bottom of that, but I just absolutely love this movie. It's the perfect blending of horror and comedy for me. You mentioned Shaun of the Dead is your go-to to me. Tremors is the go-to mm-hmm. It's just the best example that I can give of how horror and comedy and the marriage of them can be so effective in the film.
0: I get you. Now, were you a family ties fan back in the day? Cause it's cool to see I Michael was, Gross in this. You it know? was
2: really shocking, actually, oh. the first time I saw this. Yeah, that,
1: trip, I trip. I agree with you. That, that was you know think the type of character he played in Family <laughs> Ties, which I think is very close to his, you know, I guess what what he is in real life. I'm thinking. Um, but I don't know for sure. I don't know the man. He's a liberal
2: but... hippie in Family Ties, and he's a conservative yeah. redneck in Tremors. In Tremors,
1: exactly. And, and well, okay. I don't want to go any further because right. I still have part of my list to go to. No, no, okay, I, I right.
0: get you. I get you. Well,
2: anyway, I, I'm a big fan of Tremors. And, yeah, I mean, Kevin Bacon and Fred Ward are really – what above all what make the film for me they are yes. so good and this is my favorite Kevin Bacon performance in his career probably
0: wow uh I just think he's so good in it so nice yeah. and this is like a 10 for you right absolutely okay
2: we're now in 10 territory for the rest of my list and frankly mm-hmm. Shaun of the Dead is probably a 10 and I don't remember what I give the final girls but it's close So.
0: oh yeah <laughs> okay sweet all right so my number five Going to be a, a, a tiny bit controversial and I'll explain why here in a second. My number five is um, Evil Dead 2. Okay, now, now, you know, here's nice. yeah, 1987. Now, here's the reason for this. Um, a lot of people disagree with me on this, and I'll just say very respectfully that they're wrong, <laughs> which is um, the original <laughs> Evil Dead from 1981. I truly believe. That that was not meant to be like funny to people uh-huh. um I mean it's just it's just what i believe but but you no know,
1: I, I I agree with you a hundred percent. I think the first evil dead is like straight up horror
0: me too and and I'll say this of Sam Raimi's film, which I think it's like um i mean this is incredible. I think it's legitimately scary, it still scares me today. Like when I watch it now, I get scared watching that. Now I've talked to a lot of people who say that movie's funny to them, and they're like, "Oh no, that was meant to be funny." I'm like, "This is first of all, it's not funny, and if it's funny to you, you're kind of weird, you know." Like, but it's not. So anyway, when when they made <laughs> <laughs> when they made Evil Dead Two, it's basically the same uh, premise over again, but then with a, a really heavy comedy you know, comedy slant to it with an over the top, overkill stuff. And then they take it to the funny land. And then I think, you know, to me, this is my argument. Why would they make the exact same film twice if it was meant to be funny the first time? And it's like, oh, we got to make it a little bit funnier the second time. It's like, no, one is horror straight up. One is comedy horror. So anyway, I think The Evil Dead 2 is one of those classic 80s films for me. When I think of the 80s, I think of, you know, 80s slashers, of course, and then basically like Evil Dead and Evil Dead 2. I mean, those really stand out to me. This is an absolute must-see. Like if I had to, and this is going to sound crazy, but if I had to put together a list of 10 films that I think every horror fan should definitely, like, must-see, Evil Dead 2 would be in that list. It would probably be, like, number 10. But I'm just saying, it would be there.
2: Jay, have you watched Ash vs. Evil Dead yet? No. It's so good, dude. Is it? Okay. I love it. I mean, I don't know what the reviews are on it, but I absolutely love it. I'm not a huge army of darkness guy that kind of took me out of it. Same. I think evil dead two is my sweet spot in this series. Mm-hmm. And I think Ash vs. evil dead is right there in that sweet spot for me.
0: Wow. Okay. I love it. Yeah. I mean, yeah. So I, I do, I, I appreciate this film. Obviously it's in my top 10 horror comedies, but you know, I don't watch it that much. I will admit that. So, I guess, shame on me, but there you have it. Okay, so what is the listener number five pick?
2: The listener number five is Fright Night. And I think that's a great pick. I know some of our listeners were also in disagreement as to whether or not this was a comedy on the comment section. But I think it is for me, and I think it's another pretty great example of uh, horror comedy.
0: And we're talking 1985 version, right?
2: That is correct. Yeah. yeah, me.
0: Excellent movie. Yeah, it's in my honorable mentions. It's like my number mine, mine 12.
1: Yeah, mine too.
0: So I'm with you. Yeah. And and by the way, Tremors, since you mentioned earlier, that was my number 11 honorable mention. So, Ooh. okay. So interesting. Dave Becker, Dr. Shock, what is your number four?
1: Number four, this is where we're going to start getting into, a, you know, not a lot more to say. If number four is for me, Dead Alive. Which we've discussed in length uh, in this episode. Right. Nothing much more to add to it, um, but uh, I
2: love it.
0: Okay, I'm with you. And uh, Wolfman, Josh, what's your number four?
2: My number four is another classic with Bob <laughs> Hope, and I'm just joking. Uh, it's Ghostbusters. <laughs> oh, okay.
0: <laughs> okay, from yeah, 1984. I love <laughs>
2: Yeah, it's just one of the best movies ever made, in my opinion. It's just uh, the comedy works. It's I do think of it as more of a comedy. Leecher, this was one of those yeah. films that was not on my initial list. But uh, when I became more open-minded about the spectrum, it was really you using the word spectrum that shifted my entire perspective on this. Thank so you. I, I thank you for that, Jay. Well, thanks. Um, and I'm happy to <laughs> include Ghostbusters as my number four. Okay. There you go.
0: Fair enough. Well... You did that for me. I'll do this for Dino. My number four is Scream. Um, <laughs> this is <laughs> a horror comedy. And I'm um, sorry, wow. Dino. I love you anyway. But um, this, if you'll remember during our review of this franchise, and especially of, of Scream, I had like one of those heart to heart moments with the listeners where I had to admit that I really, I really do love this film. And it is fantastic. And incredible. So yeah, scream. Everybody knows this movie. It's been talked about on horror podcasts ad nauseum. So I'll just leave it at that. It is my number four. Okay. What do you got uh listeners for number four?
2: They said slither. So they really liked that one. Yeah. Wow. Up there. Yep.
0: That's interesting. It was
2: way up there. And, and I should mention, I should have mentioned this when I mentioned fright night. Um, I, when I'm looking at their top 10, the top five were the top five by a landslide. Yeah. Like six through 10, it started to thin out. But the one through five, I mean, people came out in force for these top five films. <laughs> so both Fright Night and Slither were way up there for most of the people. Cool. Nice.
0: I respect that about them, and I appreciate that. You know, the, their pick of Slither as number four kind of makes me think that, um, you know, our, our audience probably skews younger than we are. Probably like most of them are in their 20s, I would guess. That's oh. what it makes me think that they, you know, that they love Slither so much. Not that it's a bad film because it's good, but I don't know. Just a the theory.
2: If so. they're in their 20s, then when Slither came out, they were six years old.
0: <laughs> okay, then that's that's not quite what I'm going for. Oh, wait, for. no,
2: they were. Is that correct? I'm so bad at math. Everyone's <laughs> laughing at me no, right no. now. Like, well, hold on, when, when does there. Slither? When did Slither come out?
1: So Slither is 2006.
0: 2006.
1: That was ten years ago. So they would have okay, been ten. So- <laughs> they would have been ten. <laughs>
2: <laughs> no
0: no oh, so if
2: feel it feel the it, comments from dino and juan coming at me right now yeah <laughs> no
0: now, see, see that's about uh, right though like i think that they would have been probably between 10 and 15 yeah yeah, I could see it. So, yeah, that's why I think that's probably our, our age group that we're talking to there. So, anyways, okay, Dave, what is your number three, top three horror comedies, everybody?
1: Into the top three now. For me, number three is Tremors. <laughs> um, this is just, I've, I've loved this movie since, uh, I, I bought the video, like, soon after the film came out back in the very early 90s, and I think I wore it out, I just watched it so much. Um, I remember in college, I was part of a communicating arts production group, and what happened was I had seen um, the president uh, of the organization. She had a poster for Tremors in her, what would be her office at the time, and that's where I saw it, and I actually went out to the to uh, to the store, and I saw it on the shelf, I said, let me pick this up, and I've just loved the movie ever since. Um I I mention this every single time I talk about this movie, so please, out there, everybody, forgive me for mentioning this again. But one of the things I love about it is they're setting up, you think they're setting up Michael Gross and Reba McIntyre. They are these gung-ho conservatives. They're not exactly painting them in the best of light early on. right? (laughs) But then something happens... Where you think, oh, boy, it's a shame. You know, I kind of like those two. And then you're like, wait a second. It's not what I thought was going to happen does not happen. Right. And it was at that point I said, wow, this is a great damn movie. I love this thing. (laughs) I absolutely love it. And, yeah, there's just so much, like, I I agree, I think it's, I, this is probably my favorite Kevin Bacon movie, and I liked the, the, the group of characters that they had in this little town, you really get to know them, you really get to like them, um, but, so yeah, Tremors is, uh, without a doubt, belongs in the top three, I think, and I have it at number
0: three. You guys, you guys have really made me feel bad about myself, because... (laughs) Honestly, <laughs> but wait, out of this whole list, okay, as I look over my list, I have Tremors at number 11 in my honorable mentions. But here's the thing, if I'm being really honest with myself, I, uh, of course I own the Attack Pack, right? The first four Tremors films. <laughs> and, and I've watched, of all these horror comedies, I've watched Tremors far more than any of the others. I bet you I've seen it, definitely double digits, between... Uh, 12 to 15 times uh, oh, yeah. is how many times I've seen that thing. And I do love tremors. And now you guys got in your top 10. I'm feeling like a big jerk for not including it. So I'm I thought kinda... it
2: was still coming on your list. I was a little surprised when you said it was number 11. Oh, no, I feel uh, worse. I feel so sad
0: right now. <laughs> yeah. It's oh, number.
1: I, said, I thought I, 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 I'm with you. I thought for sure it would be in your top three.
0: I got my see my my top three, uh, particularly the top two, have to do with respect. Okay. So respect. All right. So anyway, okay. (laughs) Josh, what is your number three?
2: My number three is The Burbs. I love this movie. (laughs) I love you. (laughs) I mean, if I this is a desert island movie for me, and really, again, all my top five probably are. But if I'm going to be thrown on a desert island, the burbs is one of the movies that I'm taking with me for sure. It's just endlessly watchable to me, mostly due to the actor's performances, but it's just so perfectly sculpted. When I see a movie, there are just certain films (laughs) that I just like the burbs is one clue is one where I just think like, it really doesn't get better than this. Like this is perfectly executing a genre And, you know, I actually, this is a little bit off topic, but I contacted the director of uh, contact contacted, I tweeted at the director of clue the other day, just said, Hey, I showed my son clue. Thanks for making it. It's awesome. And he's like, Hey, thanks for passing it on to the next generation. And, and I just thought, like, why are you not making these types of movies anymore? Like, why are you making the whole nine yards? And whatever it is you're making now, like this is a perfect film, and and that's how I feel about the Burbs. It's just—I'll
0: tell you why, Josh. I got an answer for you there. What's that? Because a Colonel mustard <laughs> with the candlestick in the kitchen. That's why. <laughs> so, so Josh loves the Burbs and Clueless. Good job, Josh. Not oh, clueless. Less. Come on, <laughs> yeah. I'm just messing. I'm just messing. <laughs> yeah.
2: Although clueless is underrated, it's not. I don't own that one. That Josh would be is my wife's. That's rolling, my wife's
0: movie. <laughs> rolling with the homies. <laughs> okay, we're getting slap happy now. It's pretty late, so this is a horror comedy ex- episode. So that's what we're doing. Okay, my number three. Really easy. Oh, sorry. Were you done talking about the burbs? I'm a jerk. Yeah. 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 Okay. My number three, I'll be fast, dead alive, brain dead. Oh, Got to respect no. it. Um, but that's not the, the two respectful picks, number one and two. But I'm just saying, um, as far as overkill, over the top, I don't know of any comedy horror film that I can think of or I've ever seen that goes farther <laughs> than that film. So... Had to put it in there. Okay. What do the listeners say is number three?
2: An American werewolf in London.
0: Wow. Awesome. Yeah,
2: they're right. Yep.
0: Okay. But incidentally, I know you guys had that in your top ten. That was like my number 13, which, yeah, we'll be reading down through those, but I'm just saying. Uh Okay, Dr. Shock, you're number two. I'm so excited.
1: Number two for me is Shaun of the Dead. Yes. Wow, awesome. Absolutely love this movie. I, when I saw it in the theater, I knew it was going to be one that I was just going to revisit over and over again. Um, one of the things, and, and I, I think I put this when I was when I was uh, writing it up on the blog a few years ago. Uh, one of the things that you always see in zombie movies, and a lot of the times with you know the George Romero zombie movies, is... The characters sort of watching the media, watching the news, you know, what's going on, what's happening. Um, okay, well, they're, they're, they're tracking it down here. or They're listening to the radio and they're figuring out, okay, you go to these places, there's safety, blah, blah, blah. Shaun of the Dead tells you what happens to two guys who don't watch the news and have no idea what's <laughs> going on in the world around them. Yeah. Yes. And yes. we get that great scene where, where Sean makes that walk, which he made the day before. Um, and a very funny part where a little kid hits him with a soccer ball, and he looks at him and goes, you're dead. And uh, that sort of plays out in the, in the next time he's out walking. <laughs> um, uh, at, at this time, though, and he's oblivious. You see, you see blood, you see, uh, you see people laying in the streets, you see people running uh, in different areas, and he's just making the same walk, sort of oblivious, and they go back. And they're not watching the news, they're watching something else. So when they finally do break in, catch something on the news, they look up, and there's one standing right in their living room with them, <laughs> right. almost like it's a little bit too late. So there is there that aspect I loved a bit, and I just loved the, the comedy of it. It is a very funny movie. Uh, but then it does it does go to those areas in, that you do in a zombie movie where a loved one has just transformed. What do you do? Right. You know, How do you handle it?
0: Headshot.
1: Um, Sorry. Yeah, exactly. It was my but training. It, it, Um, so yeah, just everything about this movie. Uh, it is the one that, that started, you know, pretty much any zombie comedy that came after it owes at least a little something to Shaun of the Dead.
2: Well, even zombie movies, it it was one of the three films that came out in the time when zombie movies were dead. Yeah, true. No pun intended. And so between uh, 28 Days Later and the Dawn of the Dead remake and Shaun of the Dead, Mm -hmm. these three films are responsible for the zombie renaissance. And all of them were made uh, without knowledge of the others in kind of a vacuum of, we want to make a zombie movie again. Right.
0: Correct. That's so true.
2: I I also love, I mean, the, the, the perfect example to me of the comedic genius of this film is that in every other zombie scenario, you want to get to the absolute best place to survive. And in Dawn of the Dead, they figure it out. It's a shopping mall. That's the right. best place. You got everything you need. But in this movie, <laughs> they need to get to the pub because that's <laughs> their place that they go to. Uh, that's
1: where they go. That's where they were. Hanging. That's why the that's why the girlfriend left them. Because mm, <laughs> he went to the pub and he's like, that's the place to be. Let's go to the pub. We'll kick back with a pint and wait for help to arrive.
0: I'll tell you one thing I love about this film and it's, it's going to be kind of hard to articulate this in a good way. But, um, I think that, you know, zombie movies, they always have that commentary. Like, what do they say about our broader society? Well, because it does that, but it also does it on a comedic level. Um, there's a little twinge to this film. I think, um, Mm-hmm. I don't I don't know how else to describe it other than, uh, you know, usually when, when zombie films comment on our society by, you know, some kind of subtext, it's like, oh, yeah, that's true about us. We are, you know, consumer zombies and nuts like that. But in this film, it hits me because it's comedic. It also makes me a little bit sad about myself oh. and about oh, my... Interesting. Yeah, so it's it's really bizarre because it, it's a comedy for heaven's sakes, but but it gets me like right at the heart, so powerful. Okay, great pick. Um, Josh, what is your number two? I'm
2: not sure how many times I can say this is one of my favorite movies of all time, but um, <laughs> if there was one movie I could live inside the world of, it's The Lost Boys. I wish I was... <laughs> With my buddies on our BMX bikes, getting holy water from the church and canteens and, and sharpening <laughs> stakes, and, and I might be conflating the Monster Squad with this a little bit. Like part of that lock and load scene from both this and the Monster Squad. I just love the aspect of like, we're going to get everything together and we're going to go out and slay some vampires. And yeah, I, I just love this movie. And I love the wow. punk rock 80s, butt rocker, motorcycle riding, vampires in this film. The design is so good. I love just the monster design in general, but even just the production design and costume design of this film is next level. And it's just so good at creating a believable world and a world so full of texture and color and characters so full of texture and color But again, when you care about these characters, you care if they die. And I'm so invested in these kids. And I grew up with these kids, to be honest. This is one of my first horror films um, that I really watched the crap out of. Like me and my friends would have sleepovers. There was a friend of mine who had a copy of this. It was like the TV version of The Lost Boys. And that's all I had seen for years. I remember the first time I watched the actual version, I was shocked by the go- level of gore in a couple of the scenes because I'd never seen it before. But we used to, you know, have a sleepover every single night. We lived next door and would take turns sleeping over at each other's houses. And we would, I just remember being either, you know, on my back porch or in his basement. With a TV and a VCR, watching The Lost Boys every night.
0: Nice, <laughs> and, uh, yeah. awesome. Those are the memories that you know yeah. that make you a movie lover. You know what I mean? That's powerful. So I have two things to say to you though about this, Josh. Number one, <laughs> I don't think you realize how freaking scary it would be to exist in a world with vampires. Like really, <laughs> like if honestly, I'm 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 not joking around. Like if. Of all the horror monsters out there, the one that I would least want to be in, I think, is a vampire world, because I Jay, these
2: guys are so sexy, dude. <laughs>
0: they're <laughs> you know, freaking I
1: scary. Say, this, I would never wanted, I would never want to be a vampire, but after watching this movie is the closest I ever came to saying,
2: "Huh, you know where you're looking at. <laughs> right. That's interesting. You talk about taglines, Jay. The tagline for this film is
3: sleep all day,
2: party all night, never get old, never die. It's fun to be a vampire. And I just love that that's the tagline for the movie.
3: (laughs) Yes.
0: Well, and I'll tell you what's interesting to me. And I always forget about this, but this film was directed by Mr. Hit or Miss himself Joel Schumacher, like right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. wow! Yeah. His
2: absolute best film he's ever made. I would agree.
0: Yeah, well, I, hmm. yeah, I'd have to agree too. But um, I'd I'd say close second and third would be uh, Batman and Robin. Just kidding. I hate that movie. Yeah, right. I love right. Uh, Falling Down, Phone Booth, and Blood Creek. Blood Creek's a horror flick for people out
2: there. I haven't seen Blood Creek. I kind of like that eight millimeter snuff film movie with Nicolas Cage.
0: But yeah, it's okay.
2: It's not wa- it's not really watchable, but I don't know. This is his best movie. The thing I like about this film is it was supposed to be a kiddie film, which I'm not against. I know you are, but I love the Goonies It's one of my favorite movies of all time. Uh-huh. I love the Monster Squad, and this was going to be kind of along those lines. Uh, Richard Donner was going to make this film, and he had just lost interest in making it. He it was like one of those films that he said you know I'd already kind of made it in pre-production, and then when i went through the process i you know i kind of already made it in my head and i just didn't feel like making it and so they went out looking for hot young directors and his wife suggested Joel Schumacher because he was kind of this young you know fashion punk guy and and uh, richard donner said he came into his office and Schumacher was working on the uh, vampire designs with all these like fashion magazines and stuff and when he saw the designs he was like oh yeah we got the we got the right guy and wow. I, yeah, I do. I think he brought something special to the film. Yeah. Um, well, you know, there's unfortunately there's the shirtless Glenn Danzig looking saxophone player. But other than that, dude, <laughs> <laughs> other than that well. one guy, the movie's flawless, in my opinion.
0: That's right. I dig the. When
2: I was in high school. Sorry, if I can tell one more quick anecdote. It, I don't know if I've already it. told this, but um, in the town where I went to high school, there was a train track. Uh, much like the train track where these kids go and they hang off the bottom and we, me and my friends would actually do this. Now the fall wasn't nearly as deadly. It was, um, you know, like 10 feet down to the water, down to a Creek below. Mm-hmm. But on two occasions I went and actually hung on to bars underneath the train track while the train went over my head, like a moron wow. well, the movie podcast. And I in no way endorsed this kind of activity and, anyway right but i right. did it and uh, i did it because i love the lost boys
0: <laughs> well i love i love the frog brothers of course and i um th- and it was this movie that has made me um seriously lifelong leery of keefer sutherland like i've always kind of <laughs> felt like he was oh. a vampire like yeah, even in 24 i'm like that dude, he's going to bite somebody soon. Like, you know, I've always been nervous <laughs> about him because of this movie. So, anyways, great pick and I know you love this movie. Two things I know about you, Josh, and I've known him for a long time is that you love The Burbs and The Lost Boys. <laughs> so, that's cool. Okay, so this this right here, I'm not ashamed whatsoever of this pick, my number 2. But it is it is a respect pick. So, I just want people to know that and it is a comedy horror, and it is Young Frankenstein, 1974. Oh. Um, wow! One of the most striking things to me recently about this film is that my six-year-old son, um, well, when he was six, I showed him the original Frankenstein from 1931, and then I showed him this one, and he was much more afraid of this one. He, he felt like this was scarier to him, and I actually recall... Um, watching this when I was young, I mean I've seen this lots of times. Even though it's like a Mel Brooks thing, um, right? Uh, Marty Feldman, his, oh. <laughs> I mean his eyes have always kind of flipped me out. I mean, well, that's, bless that's, his yeah, heart. That's
1: kind of, <laughs> but he is so funny in this movie. He, my God, he's so funny in this movie, Marty Feldman.
3: Mm-hmm. He is. Uh, he's
1: my favorite. He's my favorite favorite. Just the whole, you know. No, it's pronounced i gull.
0: Yeah, I caught well, They told me they, told
1: me they told me it was Igor. Well, they were wrong then? Weren't they?
0: Yeah, right? yeah I <laughs> love that. I love
1: that exchange.
0: You nailed that. That was great.
1: <laughs> that's just that's just awesome. But he's looking at the the heads down below. Still, still makes me. I mean, not anymore. I say the first half dozen times, I think it still made me jump. Right. You know when he was looking at the different decompositions of the head, and he's <laughs> I ain't got nobody. Uh, oh God, I I, I do. I, I love. I absolutely love this movie. For me, it is it is. I have a, I have a list of comedy horror. You know the ones that are comedy first, and this is my number one on that on sure. that list. I, I love it. Absolutely love it.
0: Absolutely.
2: Yeah, I'm with you. This is one of my favorite comedy horrors of all time. Um, it's just so good. I'm not a Mel Brooks fan. And I see I'm this- a
1: big Mel Brooks fan, but you know, and that, but this is still, um, you know, this is one I think even transcends if you're not a Melbourne. Like you're saying, Josh, yeah. it, it's just one of those type
2: of. Well, person. yeah, and it's just the inclusion of the Frankenstein mythology. It's so good. And, and I'm a huge Gene Wilder fan. And I was telling the listeners yeah. on the in the comments, I prefer Haunted Honeymoon to this because it's tied into the werewolf mythology. But I mean, yeah, this is excellent, excellent. All time. Yeah. This is an all
0: timer for sure. I'm, I'm with oh, you. And uh, Peter Boyle as the monster, he, I think he's exceptional. Like, I've always had. You know uh, Boris Karloff in my mind and Peter uh-huh. Boyle. Like like uh, growing yeah. up, those two yeah. were the monster, right? You know Gene Wilder. I think yeah. honestly, the only person I think that can even approach his crazy. Like when he when Gene Wilder portrays craziness, the only other person I've seen you know capture it as powerfully is uh, Jack Nicholson. So I, I think his uh-huh. his craziness is actually scary. But what were you gonna say, Doc?
1: I was going to say about Gene Wilder. Yeah, he has just—he uh, has so many great scenes in in this movie. I mean, I think the one where he's—he you know, just gets so dramatic. He, he's just—it's just, uh, it's just uh, the way his character is. He's just so like everything is just so heavy and, and and dramatic. And and he says, "I must go in there and reach him. When I go in there, lock this door. No matter how much I cry, no matter how much I <laughs> plead, don't open it. I must reach him." And also monster does, he goes, "Just let me out, let me the hell out!" And he starts so banging on the door. <laughs> oh God! It's just so many great scenes in this movie.
0: Yeah, it's it's very fun. It's genuinely funny. So yep. holds up. And I'm hard on comedies. I tell you. Okay. So if you haven't seen that one, it is a must, listeners. Okay. Yep. So the listeners' number two pick. What is it, Joshua?
2: Return of the Living Dead.
0: Ah, wow, we nice. all had that on our list. All of us, yep. Yeah, Excellent. Well, that's unanimous, I would say, right? Is that yep. the only one so far that we've all four had? I'm scanning over them. Uh, yeah, it is. It's the only one. So far, wow. right? Okay, well, that's really yep. impressive. Okay, so we're down to business now. We're down to our number one best rated horror comedy of all time, I'm, I'm looking over your lists. I'm trying to figure out what your number one picks are. Dr. Shock, settle this.
1: My number one horror comedy of all time is Evil Dead 2.
0: Oh, nice. yes.
1: I absolutely. And you know, it's funny because I actually like Evil Dead more. It's one of my top 10 horror films. But Evil Dead 2, for me, it just gets both of them right. You know, it is a scary movie. And for me, anyway, I mean, this type of stuff, the demonic and and it scares the hell out of me. So it is a movie that will scare you and it has jump scares in there that are going to get you. You've got Bruce Campbell doing what Bruce Campbell does best. Um, And then but it is also it, it also has the comedy in there that. You know, it it does take what was in the first one, like you were saying, Jay, and it just throws a little. It throws the humor in there with it,
3: yes. And
1: it just makes it such an insane, entertaining, fun movie um, that it's almost addicting. You know, mm-hmm. um, and I do like Army of Darkness, but it's funny because you have Evil Dead, which is horror. For me, it's like straight up horror. For right. Me. I, that's how I look at the first Evil Dead. Evil Dead Two. You've got horror comedy. Evil and then Army of Darkness is action comedy horror. I think the horror is almost third in in Army of Darkness, which is another movie I, I really like. I like I do like Army of Darkness, but for me that it's like the horror is getting. It just sort of it's funny how it just sort of takes it with the series, you know, um, how it uh, not so much lessens it, but that throws other elements in there that that go along with it. Um, but yeah, so for me, Evil Dead Two. And and it just and it just gets absolutely insane when everybody shows up and this thing's jumping all over the place and um, another one that that gets really gory so yeah I, I can't praise it enough Evil Dead too
0: interesting okay that's Doctor Shock's number one and uh, Wolfman Josh what is your number one.
2: I have been a fan and a staunch supporter of this movie since the first minute that I saw it. I went and saw this in the theater probably 13 times. <laughs> I took different variations of groups of friends to this movie when it was at the second-run dollar movie theater, week <laughs> after week after week. I know um, Day after day after day. I never had considered this film to be a horror comedy until... The great Jay of the Dead uh, <laughs> labeled it so in our franchise <laughs> review. Uh, but since he did, and since I am looking at this with the broad spectrum, I apologize, Dino, but it's a scream, baby. That's my <laughs> number one.
0: He's going to be so mad at both of us right now. And yeah, really?
3: it's funny
1: because I, I don't look at it, I, gotta, I don't necessarily look at it as a comedy either. I mean, I have it as one of my top 10 slasher movies. Uh, of all time, but, um, and it's a movie that you, you just gotta love, but that's the only reason I would, I didn't have it on my list was because I didn't necessarily view it as that. But anyway, go ahead.
2: There's an absolute argument for it. And I think Jay's made it very well. And even though Mm -hmm. my initial reaction is not that it's comedy, I think the argument that it's comedy is strong and, the uh, more easygoing side of myself that is choosing to look at this with the broad view uh, can accept this as a horror comedy, and so I'm saying, yeah. I mean, if I have to pick a number one, it's very easy for me to slot this right. In to the top yeah. of the list. it's
1: and it's a great, it's a great, great movie.
0: You know, Josh, you you've always said that like um, your number one all time favorite horror film kind of teeters between. Uh, Halloween and the thing depending on when somebody yeah. asks you, but honestly, I think that it could be a revolving door of scream in there too, because you really love this film, and I wonder yeah, if yeah. it teeters between those three actually I don't know
2: well, and the lost Boys too, right but oh, I, yeah. I I mean yeah, I mean there are different configurations, and so with taking this into account, yeah, it's there,
0: that's great, okay, well, I'm proud of you. And um, so we just made Dino feel sad. Now my objective, and I intentionally <laughs> want to make uh-huh. I want to make Doctor Shock feel sad right now, um, because I'm I'm a little bit mad at not mad. That's not the right word. I'm am disappointed in you, young man, for uh-huh. for leaving this out of your top ten. I thought for sure Doc and I would have the same number one, which is Abbott and Costello yeah. meet Frankenstein. And you know what?
1: And you know what? It's 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 one of the movies. I, I can't really say. It's just I have these other ones. I just put a little bit above it, and that's all. And you. it might have it might have taken the place of Ghost Breaker six months ago. Okay. Uh, you know because and I do love it. I absolutely love Aben Costello Meet Frankenstein. Um, I think it's it's easily obviously the best movie that Aben Costello ever made, uh, and I love that it has the classic monsters in there and you have Lugosi and you have, um, uh, Lon Chaney jr. And well, it's Glenn strange in this
0: Glenn one. Strange.
1: But yeah. And, and even get Vincent price in there real quick at that. Uh, yes, you, you know, do briefly. <laughs> so yeah, there's a lot to love about this movie. Um, and, I'm sorry. You go ahead, Jay. This is your pick. I don't mean to take away. No, those, no. I, thunder th-
0: here. This is what I wanted. I wanted you okay. to be there Man, with. me. And them. it's
1: and it's <laughs> and it's because it takes the horror seriously. Bela Lugosi, Lon Chaney Jr., Glenn Strange—they are not in a comedy. They are in a horror movie, and just like Abbott and Costello, you know, just like Castella are in a comedy. Those three, even the scenes where they're with and Costello, Lon Chaney, and so forth—they're in a horror movie, and that's Having one of the things that. I think
2: that yeah. <laughs> Having said that, I just recently reviewed Aben Costello Meet Frankenstein with my five-year-old over on Movie Streamcast, and he didn't really think it was scary at all. So, I okay. mean, yes, I mean you guys are right, but um, you know, I, I, oh, I'm I, not saying I'm not saying, and you know what? Yeah,
1: I mean, at, at this for this generation, I'm not saying necessarily that it's the most. That it's a that it's a frightening movie. I'm just saying it takes the horror seriously. It doesn't. It yeah. doesn't. Legosi and all that don't get in on the fun. You know they're not they're not joking around. Them for them it's yeah. death. It's deadly serious.
2: That, and that's great. That's great. Yep.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And uh, yeah, I'll tell you. And everybody just heard. I'm really thankful, actually, that you that you said all that, Dave, because I I was hoping you would. And here's why. Over, I actually came to love this within the last two years, like to this degree that I love it. And part of that, like 50% of that was because of hearing Dr. Shock talk about it like he just did. And the things he pointed out, I think are excellent. And um, the other half is because I watched it with my son when he was like five or six and he was obsessed with it. And it, it is cool because when I think about it, it's like, wow, we get Frankenstein's monster, we get the Wolfman, we get Dracula, and then we get a fourth surprise monster, briefly. Right. <laughs> and and man, that's so cool to me. So, you know, and in terms of comedy, I mean, who's funnier than Abbott and Costello? I mean, people could put up some names, but I, I truly think they're hilarious. And the the bits that they do in this film with the monsters are generally funny uh-huh. to me. Genuinely funny to me, and so i uh, man, this is a must see. Um, it's old school, you know, it's in black and white and everything. Yep. But if you have not seen this, this is a must see, listeners. Um, I love this film, and I do not own it yet, but I am gonna buy it as soon as mm. next time I see it. I'm, I'm seriously not, gonna well, buy they it.
1: Have, uh, take a look at some of the Abbott and Costello sets they have, Jay. Okay, because I think I think Abbott and Costello meets Frankenstein might be on there with a couple, they have it, it's like a group of films. It might be on there with um, a couple of the other ones, like uh, Meets um, the, the uh, Killer, Boris Karloff, and things like that.
0: I gotcha. you. So, okay, you know, because
1: cool. they, they have a whole group of those, and they're not expensive. I think they're along the lines of what the Bob Hope uh, collection is. Um, but, it's, yeah, Abbott and Costello, the two things that, that I think they should go down, you know, and, and be immortalized in the Comedy Hall of Fame for are who's on first and Evan Costello meets Frankenstein.
0: I'm with you. Yeah. I totally agree. So yeah, those number one and number two picks for me are just pure respect, you know? So, uh-huh. okay. Wolfman, Josh, I'm dying to hear what did the listeners pick as their number one favorite horror comedy?
2: Well, the listeners actually, if you remember, guided our reviews tonight. And so it might not surprise <laughs> anybody that they're number one by a landslide. So they all hate me at this point because their number one film <laughs> is "Dead Alive." Wow. Yeah. Nice. big time it's their favorite. I mean, by a large margin. So.
0: Wow. And tell them large margin sent you. Sorry. <laughs> that,
3: <that's,
0: laughs> no, we,
2: I mean, listen, sorry. we got hundreds of comments. I think there were 300 comments on that particular episode of the podcast. There were a ton. We also got tweets, emails. Facebook, all sorts of entries, and you know, the vast majority of them had dead alive on their list somewhere. So
0: nice, well yeah. done, yeah. listeners. Good pick, good pick. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think uh, <laughs> Dr. Shock and I back you on that. It's in our top 10. So poor, yeah. poor Josh. That's okay, Josh. No, it's
2: fine. <laughs> I'm, I'm hat looks. Listen, I as I mentioned, comedy is the most subjective and so i think yeah. it's great yeah. to, i'm surprised actually that we've all come in as close as we did but that's good i mean that yeah. shows that there are some really solid entries in the horror comedy and comedy horror genres that everyone can agree are are great films and so yeah that's good for the it's good for the subgenre yeah. um, i wanted to give a shout out to two of our listeners before we go into our honorable mentions and read some of their top 4 top 5 selections because they were more out of the box than everybody else that cool. kind of submitted entries.
0: Okay, let's hear. Him.
2: These are films that nobody else had on their lists. And so one is Joe McGregor, and he says, As for horror comedies, I always suggest Murder Par- Party, My Boyfriend's Back, Father's Day. Dude Bro Party Massacre and Teen Lust. So I thought, okay. I haven't even heard of two of those films. And
0: right. Father's
2: Day's not one I ever recommend to anyone, so that's interesting.
0: But, um, quick quick little anecdote about Father's Day, I'll take 30 seconds. Yeah. Um yeah. It, it, I live in probably what the most one of the most like conservative communities you could be in. And on my street, they had a streetwide yard sale, and I walked across the street and And they only had a couple DVDs on sale, and one of them was Father's Day. I couldn't believe it. So, anyway, I I bought it, actually. So, Mm -hmm. (laughs) there you have it. Go ahead.
2: Okay, this one is from All New Sucks. All New Sucks said... (laughs) Best horror comedy of all time? Well, I could go with the obvious, like Gremlins or Return of the Living Dead, but I rarely consider the obvious to be the best. I call a horror comedy great when it makes me laugh and it contains the horrific overtones I'm looking for. You're not going to get more classic than Abbott and Costello's horror-themed stuff. But here's my top three. Number three, Dead Heat, 1988. Yeah, I'm the one guy who absolutely loves it. Actually, I think two oh. listeners
3: named that one. Nice.
2: William and Pips... Uh, Piscopo chemistry is terrific because the 1980s knew how to do police partnerships better than any decade also the special effects were damn impressive 2. King of the Zombies 1941 Manton Moreland is a comic genius and he makes his couple of zombie films worth watching not only will Manton charm the hell out of you but the film itself is very atmospheric in that cool creepy way and number 1 Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein 1948 Yes. If you know any Abbott and Costello movie, you know this one. We get Lon Chaney Jr. reprising his Wolfman role, Glenn Strange reprising the Frankenstein monster role he'd been doing for a few years, and most importantly, Bela Lugosi finally getting another film role as iconic as his iconic Dracula. With the monsters playing it straight up and Lou and Bud playing the last, you have a horror comedy that everyone should be compared to. So, yeah, I would say you have a comedy horror that all should be compared to that's yeah.
1: awesome yeah. And uh, all new sucks. he's been following me for a long time on Twitter he's, he's oh. like a, a long time follower of mine so that's, it's great to hear from him that's great
0: sweet awesome. I like it okay so thank you for sending in those and everybody who contributed your top 10 lists and let's run down through our honorable mentions and we're getting long in the tooth it's kind of horrifying and funny at the same time how long we've gone talking about horror comedies yeah, <laughs> I hope exactly. everybody's happy Go ahead, Doctor Shuck. Let's hear your honorable mentions.
1: Okay, I'm gonna. I'm just gonna name. Um, uh, like I, I have, I'm gonna have a list of these, and I'm gonna put on the blog, and it's actually gonna be thirty, my top thirty. Um, and I'm also gonna put my list of the top ten comedy horror, you know, and sort of make that distinction as well. Uh, the ones that are comedy first. But anyway, just real quick, I'll go from like a, a um from uh twenty up to eleven. Uh, real quick and 20 and it is kind of low but it is a movie that I really enjoyed and it's the final girls Um, 19 I had fright night 18 the lost boys 17 was the tie of dead snow and dead snow 2 Um, 16 would be cabin in the woods 15 the monster squad Uh, 14 gremlins 13 reanimator that's one i was surprised that, that uh, some people had not didn't get a little more love tonight. Yeah. Uh, 12 12 zombie land and 11 aben Costello meets frankenstein.
0: Wow, okay. Very good. Dude. Very good. Okay, thank you. A wolfman Josh, what did you have for your honorable mentions? In no particular
2: order, my honorable mentions are Fright Night, Evil Dead 2, Monster Squad, Night of the Creeps, Jason Lives, Buffy the Vampire Slayer the movie, Beetlejuice, Tusk, Cabin in the Woods, Dead Snow 2, Slither, Arachnophobia, What We Do in the Shadows, Young Frankenstein, Abbott Costello Meet the Mummy, and Abbott and Costello Meet Frankenstein.
0: Wow, two two in there that intrigue me. Tusk, um, that's really cool you brought that one up because it, yeah. it is horrifyingly weird and funny. And and, and I bet uh, Andy, by the way, Andy finally saw uh, What We Do in the Shadows, and he uh-huh. loved it. He went bananas over it. And I bet you oh, if I would finally break down and see that and listen to the whole world, that it, it would be really high on my list too. I can just tell.
2: <laughs> so. I'm just saying for you, go in thinking of it as you're watching a comedy film, and right. you're, you'll love it. If you go in thinking you're watching a horror film, you'll be
0: disappointed. Okay, gotcha. All right, thank you. So here are my honorable mentions. This is like eleven through nineteen. Okay, so my number eleven was Tremors, Fright Night, an American Werewolf in London, Reanimator, y'all.
1: Yeah, uh, there you go. All uh-huh. right,
0: Gremlins. So everybody, get off my case. What? Uh, yeah, Gremlins <laughs> is in there. The Cabin in the Woods. Uh, this is gonna surprise some peeps out there. Tucker and Dale versus Evil. <laughs> Okay. I, I can't help it. And, and then this I is one. I
2: don't like that movie.
0: <sighs> you make me sad, Josh. You make me sad. I know. I okay. make a lot of people <laughs> sad. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding.
2: Um, Start with those closest to me and work outward. <laughs> th-
0: that's right. <laughs> so here's the thing, guys. This is one I don't think I heard anybody say. This is definitely comedy first, then musical then maybe horror, maybe, and it's Little Shop of Horrors from 1986.
1: 19- that was that's part of that's part of my comedy horrors.
0: Actually, oh, okay, good. I, had that,
1: that I had that there, which is I also had Rocky Horror Picture Show in my comedy horrors as
0: well. Okay, which Those are both. another one. Yeah, yeah. and um, I
1: just fun movie. A <laughs> Little Shop of Horrors is such a fun movie.
0: And I just want to shame everybody out there who did not include this on their list, even though it's not a good movie. <laughs> But it's one of my favorite guilty pleasures from 1988, Killer Clowns from Outer Space. Love it. Oh,
2: yeah. I know we had some listeners that loved that.
0: Yes, yeah. it's amazing. So anyways, uh, do we have a listener honorable mention list or not?
2: Yeah, I've got a long one. What I want to do is I want to read their top five honorable mentions, which were close to their top 10 in ranking. Those are Arachnophobia, Young Frankenstein, Frighteners, Tucker and Dale vs. Evil, and Bubba Hotep. Um, Then I'm going to name really quickly all of the ones that had multiple votes that the listeners gave us. That would be Monster Squad, Evil Dead, Evil Dead 2, Army of Darkness, Creepshow, Shaun of the Dead, The Lost Boys, Gremlins, Zombieland, Troll 2, The Editor, Critters and Critters 2, Piranha, Piranha 3D, Club Dread. I promised Juan we were going to be talking about that. Didn't really come up. Dracula (laughs) Dead and Loving It, High Spirits killer clowns from outer space behind the mask. The rise of Leslie Vernon rubber. Jason lives Friday the 13th part six (laughs) cabin fever parents reanimator. The final girls teeth, idle hands hatchet. Not a fan. Eight legged freaks. John dies at the end. Trick or treat. The old dark house, Beetlejuice, little shop of horrors, Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein, and Attack of the Killer Tomatoes.
3: <laughs>
0: oh, man.
2: Now, since our listeners went to the trouble of giving us their recommendations, I figured, you guys, are you guys cool if I just read the single votes as well?
0: Yes, let me just sure, say real quick. I was yes. impressed um, with uh, their mention of Creepshow and Troll 2. That's pretty awesome. So go ahead.
2: That is cool. Those both got multiple votes but did not uh, you know, reach our top ten or honorable mentions. Okay. okay, so these are only single votes from our listeners, but I thought I would mention them anyway because they took the time to write them. A Bucket of Blood, that's from Allison with a Y. Basket Case is from David. The oh, invisible Man one. is from Sal. Nice. The Adams Family is from Shannon. I'm just remembering these off the top of my head, and I can't believe I can. Um, I'm not going to remember the rest. Texas Chainsaw Massacre two for you, Dave. There you go. Mm, okay. House. <laughs> House. One. Yeah. Nice
1: one.
2: Nice. Frankenhooker.
1: Frankenhooker. Yeah. Okay. That's another. Um. Was uh, <laughs> it Frank Henlow? I, I, yeah, the guy who directed. Um, Basket Case. Nice.
2: Fido. I suspect that'll be on our ZomComs episode. Yes. Yep. Twilight Zone the movie. Mm-hmm. Sleepy Hollow cooties that's from Allison with an I. I cannot agree with you Allison I'm sorry the witches of Eastwick my name is Bruce once bitten high anxiety another Mel Brooks there Yep. phantom of the paradise severance oh, wow. the people under the stairs great pick yep zomb beavers this is the end <laughs> the comedy of terrors cemetery man dead end dead heat murder party Dude Bro Party Massacre, Father's Day, Teen Lust, The Girl with All the Gifts, The King of the Zombies, Lake Placid, Inbred, Bride of Chucky, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Grabbers, Tusk, did I ever say Basket Case? I think I did. The Fearless Vampire Killers, Black Sheep, that's a cool one, Black Sheep. Black Sheep
1: is a
0: good one, yes it is. It's actually better than you'd think, yes. Yes it is.
2: Drag Me to Hell, from our Sam Raimi, My Boyfriend's Back, Gravy, Dave likes that one. Yep. Detention, The Voices, that was an interesting film. We never talked about that, I don't think. Doghouse, Doghouse. Rocky Horror Picture Show, National Lampoon's Class Reunion, Pink
0: Flamingos, and The Tripper. (laughs) (laughs) Nice.
1: <laughs> that, it, is pretty, it is pretty horrifying in parts. I'll give it that. It
0: is. <laughs> and, and a quick comment about uh, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2. I actually think that as the Evil Dead is to Evil Dead 2, where you had a serious version and then kind of a comedic take, that's the same thing with um, the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre serious version. And then 2 was a retread, but with a little comedy mixed in. It's interesting. If you say something. I know
2: Dave <laughs> doesn't like it, but you can't go like wrong Dave. with that uh,
0: Breakfast Club poster. It's no,
1: I, that's pretty cool. I'll give you that. the The poster for that is, is pretty cool, and there are things about it I do like. Like you know, um, I, it, it's not that I like that they bring um, you know the cook back. I, I always like that character, and there are things about I, I like the lead girl. Is it Caroline Williams? Um, there are things about it that are good. It's just there are things about it that just don't work for me. And it's 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 Dennis Hopper going crazy at the end. It, I don't want to get too far into it, but you All know, right. I guess maybe we'll do. And I'm just just to let you know, if we ever decide to do a Texas Chainsaw overview, I am doing Next Generation from memory. I will not watch that cinematic <laughs> turd again. I've already watched it twice, and I will not watch it again.
2: I know we're way long, guys, but I just have one quick question. I noticed everybody, listeners, you, me, everyone had Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein. Why is that the only one you guys like? Because for me, I like Meet the Mummy just as much. See, the and what about meet the invisible man I haven't seen that one in a long time I've I haven't
1: heard. seen the invisible man in a yeah. while the mummy was good I did like the mummy and I thought that there was some funny parts in it it's yeah. a later one that's like one of the last ones they did actually okay. um, so they were getting a little bit uh, it, it was it was just getting toward the end there um, but no I mean exactly. I I did, I did like those I know what I want to check out again is, is meets the killer Boris Karloff you know that one I what? think is is I haven't seen that one in a while.
0: Well, and for me, it's just that, yeah, it's been forever since I've seen those other ones. So I don't even mm-hmm. remember them, to be honest. But also, I would venture to guess that it's because there are, you know, this, this monster medley in, in Meets Frankenstein. You got these all.
3: And, well,
1: and, yeah, know. that's part of it. And And also, Frankenstein was the first one. And because it was a hit, that's why they went on to meet so many other monsters. Right. You know, yeah. it, 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 because that one was what made it. And it's funny, because when he first read the script, um, Lou Costello said his six-year-old daughter could have written something better than that. He thought it was awful. <laughs> he absolutely disliked it. And he, he thought it was ridiculous. But um, it worked out. I don't know if you ever saw some of the... That, that was on the, If you ever get the DVD for it, they have behind-the-scenes shots of it. Um and, and like sort of like the, the jokes and people breaking up, like when yeah. Lucas was sitting in Glenn Strange's lap, Glenn Strange could not keep a straight face. They took so <laughs> many takes of that. And, and it's, it's pretty, it's pretty funny. If you get a chance to see that, anybody who has a DVD, check out the behind the scenes footage.
0: Mm-hmm. You got it. Okay. So since it is almost 3 a.m. Dr. Shock's time. Yes, g- it is. We're going to start wrapping up this show pretty fast, but I want to get to these, these voicemails. Now, this is kind of funny. <laughs> since this is our core horror comedy episode. Um, At the end of the previous episode, as we said, uh, Wolfman, Josh called some people out, encouraged to send voicemails. And the truth of the matter is, and I want to apologize to Josh and everybody. We have been getting voicemails for a long time. We just haven't been working them into the show just because um, it, this sounds sucky, but it's just that uh, our schedule has been insane for a long time. And so maybe we just need to do a listener feedback show where we do a bunch of yes. voicemails and just talk about stuff and get it that's out. That's a good
1: idea. I think that's a good idea.
0: Yeah, we yeah. So I think that might be fun. But um, what well, we did get some response to Josh calling people out, and the craziest thing happened. So, um, for example, like Allison with an I emailed and said, "Wolfman Josh totally name checked me. So here is my voice, creeper no more." And um, it's, I guess it was supposed to be attached with her email, but when I checked it tonight to grab it for this episode, there was no voice attached. So, Allison with an oh, eye. No. I know, I'm sorry. Like, I'm not saying Allison failed. I'm sure it's probably something dumb that I did, but it wasn't attached to the, the email. So, I'm so sorry, Allison. <laughs> uh, anyway, We're and then. We're
2: looking forward to your southern drawl,
0: Allison. We so. really are. We really yeah. are. And then Adam from Chicago, who Josh, you got to know, he, he leaves tons of voicemails in there. They're really in depth and stuff. Well, um, when those come in, I got one from him and one from Brandon and when I went to retrieve those from Google voice, it said internal, internal server error. (laughs) And so I don't know if but I'm not lying. I am not making up this stuff. So either, um, you know, if I can retrieve those before this episode releases, I'll just plug them in here. But I do have the text, you know, because Google. Of
2: terrors. Oh, that should be
0: the name of the episode, right? <laughs> Comedy of Terrors. Yes, that's brilliant. <laughs> I yeah. love that. But Google does this thing where it will actually try to transcribe what they say. So um, and it's kind of hilarious because they do not come through accurately all the time. So let's just give this a whirl. Adam from Chicago says, what's up, guys? It's Adam. Um, from Chicago. Why am I calling? You asked. Well, because I was gravely and awkwardly called out um, by Josh. Man, way to go. Hey, I think there's no way that someone has left more voicemails <laughs> than I have. And if they have, that's because <laughs> I've already left so many voicemails to earth, probably. And uh, it's lost in translation right there. So there's a, uh, thanks for calling me out a lot, Josh, my green hair, Is not Rena. Actually, and I'm sure that's not what he really said. Actually, it was a lie. I was doing a film shorts for the Sela and man. Anyway, I'm sorry, Adam. This is crazy. Um,
1: (laughs) This is insane. These these Google messages are a joke. I mean, they really are. But I'm surprised that first part of it was was
0: as clear as it was. Wait a second. So, wait, this is funny. He says, and I doubt he actually said this. I don't want to be, you know, an overbearing boyfriend, but apparently you want that. So, now it's going to happen for now. I do have to let you go because I'm actually doing something pretty scary right now. And (laughs) and that's when it scared everybody universally. So, it's called sort of the receipts for my taxes, but I think they're due tomorrow. So, yeah, I'll call back. Bye. (laughs) Bye. (laughs) <laughs> anyway sorry Adam and then Brandon said hey guys this is Brandon um, also known as Furniture in Fairfield I'm sure that's not what he's known as <laughs> just
1: I'm wanna- pretty sure I, I, don't, I don't know of Furniture in
2: Fairfield so. I just want to say <laughs>
1: I'm very
0: heartfelt thanks this for covering
2: this is definitely funnier than if we had gotten voicemails I will <laughs> say says, yeah.
0: thanks so much for covering that Universal Monsters here lately Frankenstein episode was one was great of course I was just dying to hear the Dracula episode and I'm so glad I heard it probably because I have to agree with you and I'm gonna say again for the original uh Dracula um die calling about three or four (laughs) copies of that movie I'm planning on putting all the pictures of my VHS's and DVD collection and all that stuff I can use Universal Studios Monsters just fine and I can't wait for the next one hopefully I'll do the walk my end soon as I cannot wait to hear what y'all think about the Anthony Hopkins and um Del Toro uh, rain tonight, <laughs> rain tonight. But anyways, um keep up the good work of the podcast, you guys. I can't wait to hear more of these monsters. Take care and have a scary evening. So thanks, Brandon. I'm sure that's not what you said, but. <clears throat> this
2: is a major fail, but it's actually way funnier. Uh, <laughs> than if rule. Guys, thanks for sending them in. I did not know. Jay has not told us that you've been sending your voicemail. So anyone that I incorrectly called out, I the egg is on my face. I'm embarrassed. I apologize. And uh, thank you, Adam and others, for – I know Dino said he had several voicemails that had gone unplayed on the show. So.
0: Well, we went uh, – here's the thing, and it's not that we don't uh, – here's the thing. About like, a year and a half ago, we were having all kind of um, – inner turmoil because we were having trouble fitting the shows and all the listener feedback and you know, basically, um, I've failed terribly, but we, we're just going to have a listener feedback show and get these yeah, voicemails. Well, right, so, we we'll,
2: so, we'll, we'll rework our, yeah, let's rework our, so approach. don't,
1: don't stop sending them in, you know, because we, we will at some point get, I, I'm just going to play all of them. Um, or we'll listen to Jay read what you try to
0: say. <laughs> yeah, because that's <laughs> <Right>. really <laughs> funny, <laughs> actually. <laughs> All right. Well, I think that wraps up episode 87 of Horror Movie Podcast. I hope everybody's satisfied with the horror comedy coverage. Um, you know, so make sure you join us again in two weeks. But before we go, we want to give our plugs and let you know where you can find us on the internet. Dr. Shock, where can they find you? Uh,
1: dvdinfatuation.com. Uh, Check out the blog there. Uh, At DVD Infatuation is my Twitter. Uh, My Twitter handle, what what was it? Twitter? I don't know. It's 3 a.m. Give me a break. Um, Facebook, I'm on Facebook. Mm -hmm. You can find the link there. Um, Or or on the website, you can find it in the show notes. Uh, I'm also on the Land of the Creeps podcast, where we're still going back and looking at some of the silent horror movies. Uh, And
0: uh, I think that's it okay and wolfman josh
2: um please check out my other podcast movie streamcast streamcast.com. i am going to be taking a break from the sci-fi podcast for a little while due to my work schedule but those guys are still going strong over there and i really think you guys would enjoy that podcast if you like what we are doing here yes it's a lot of fun you can follow me on twitter at icarus arts uh, that's my preferred social media but i am on other so if you're not on twitter and you want to connect you can find me on pretty much any social media at Icarus Arts Instagram Facebook Uh, I'm on there I'm on there under my name too but I don't add I've got like my personal account and my production company account and I don't add anybody that I don't know in real life on my uh, personal accounts. Just because, you know, it's like my fam, like Pictures of my kids. You wouldn't want to see it anyway, guys. It's boring stuff. So, uh, my Icarus Arts accounts are where you can reach me.
0: You have very cute kids, though, Josh, I will say. Oh, thank you. Okay. So, I just want people to check out MoviePodcastWeekly.com. That show is more of a train wreck than it ever has been. But uh, we get a lot of good response. So check it out if you want some really sloppy film criticism, but it is unpaid film criticism.
2: (laughs) If Kagan can make his excellent track available for download, you know, I'm sure many of our listeners would like, a copy of his horror movie podcast, comedy horror trailer, because it is hilarious. Yeah. Absolutely.
0: Yeah, Kagan, two notes for Kagan. If it's okay with you, Kagan, I'll put it in the sidebar so people can just download it if they want it. And the other thing is, Kagan, since you're in Salt Lake City too, let's go see a horror flick together, maybe The Conjuring 2, right, Josh? And you come with us.
2: Yeah, I don't know what my schedule's like, but... Okay. Would, yeah. Give me a call. I don't know. Is that coming out soon?
0: Yeah. It's like summer. It's like June. I mean, we got some time. Okay. If so, I'm in
2: town. Count
0: me in. All right, Kagan. We love your comments and your voicemails, even though we don't play them, but you, you hear that we are trying to organically incorporate them into the episode. So please don't hesitate to get involved in the horror movie podcast community, because here's the thing for real, even if the jerks, that host this podcast don't play your stuff on the show. If you're interacting with the community, you'll get way more out of your interactions with one another than you get with us anyway. Because um, as you've heard from people like Red Cap Jack, you guys are far smarter than we are about horror movies. So, but you can still leave a comment in the show notes there. That's where we have a lot of correspondence. Um, that'd be great. Or you could email horrormoviepodcast at gmail.com and that voicemail number that apparently is a black hole is 801-382-8789. You can find all of our past episodes for this show, all 87 of them, at horrormoviepodcast.com as well as the archives for the weekly horror movie podcast and Horror Metropolis. You can subscribe free in iTunes, and if you leave us a review, we would really appreciate it. If you haven't already, follow us on Twitter at horrormoviecast. And I want to thank Fred Ingram for the use of his music for our horror movie podcast theme song. You can find Fred's music at frederickingram.com. That'll be linked in the show notes. And I think that's it for episode eighty-seven. Here, um, we thank you once again for joining us. Thanks for spending about three hours or so with us on horror comedy. <laughs> And uh, join us again Friday after next for a horror movie podcast where we're dead serious about horror movies. Hey guys, guys, I'm getting
2: worried. Jason. For J of the Dead, he must have really messed you over. The scariest thing, other than Owen Wilson in Peril. Yeah, you, Jason. Is horror
0: comedy. Is he the right man for the job?
3: This calls for divine intervention.
0: Horror comedy, the oxymoronic subgenre.
3: Watch your tongue, boy, if you like this job.
0: What will happen when he doesn't do his homework?
1: Damn it, I'm gonna kick his... I'm going to help
0: you. Is it fair to punish him?
1: Fairness would be to rip your insides out. Take you from a tree so we can expose you for the heartless, desensitized little you
0: are. This spring. Does <laughs> he think I'm a fart? Jay of the Dead. Are you guys kidding me with this? Would face his fears. Probably.
3: me, Maybe. Maybe. We'll see. That's what's going the books is screwing the pooch.